five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 Dilly D! Bam bam bam! Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Bobby Krieger, guitar player. John Densmore, percussionist, 22 years old. Far out. Uh, Pamela Morrison, ornament. Raymond Daniel Manzarek. 1212 I'm the Lizard King! I can do anything! Jim Morrison. The God of Rock. The guys at Network have told us that they have a little problem with the lyric, Girl, we couldn't get much higher. They asked if you could say instead, Girl, we can't get much better. Can you dig that? Girl, we couldn't get much higher. I love it when you sing to me. I'm the poet and you're my muse. Do you hear them out there? Do you they want now? You ever tried drinking blood? Mr. Morrison, you've gone too far. You're a poet, not a rock star. What you gonna do for Act 3? Go on! Kill me! Come on, give me some death! Let's just say I was testing the bounds of reality. All right, and here we go with our Doors review. I'm joined by my co-host, Eddie Canastracci, and today we got uh, Hydra Whiskey and uh, Hydra Jägermeister because we got none other than Mark Alden Taylor from the Freeform Rock Podcast to join us for this one. How are you, Mark? Hello, kiddies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all talking English before we started, you know. It's, it's an inside we reached the stage <laughs> in inebriation where we start talking like Ritz. <laughs> yeah, I, I smoked like a joint, and then now I'm smoking some whiskey. Now I'm going to Valley Girl. Yeah, <laughs> just shifted to Valley Girl phase. phase. <laughs> I hear you drink what? to the Valley Girl phase. Holy shit! Oh, <laughs> uh, so you already been drinking, Mark? <laughs> oh yeah, 
<laughs> he says matter-of-factly. <laughs> Mark, have you been uh, have you been drinking the alcohol or snorting it? Because we all know about you. <laughs> no, I've actually been drinking it. <laughs> so what, 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 well, I want to ask you, Mark. Yeah. First thing, how, how did you... Um, it's because of that song, right? Was that what gave you the idea to first snort whiskey? Yeah, I was thinking about that for a while because I heard that song and I go, oh, that's cool. I wonder if anybody's ever snorted whiskey. I yeah, think what? they have, and it's fun, <laughs> but I wanted to try it just to, to give people a laugh, man. Did, did you did you Google first to make sure you could do it and not die? <laughs> uh, I did that today, actually. Why did you buy uh, cinnamon whiskey? You're not going to snort that, are you? I go, uh, you are, aren't you? <laughs> oh, it's funny, because I know I'm encouraging this, so I, I encourage this, because you, you, you brought it up, you said, hey, I should, you know, it should be a trilogy, and you know, me, as a writer, I can respect that, you gotta, you gotta go full circle, you gotta have three, you know, beginning, a middle, and an ending, you need your, you need your Back to the Future Part 3, or your Return of the Jedi here, you need it, yep. <laughs> and, and uh, so, so I want to encourage that, you know, <laughs> but no, vodka's all wrong. That's a step back. You need to go. Yeah, further. don't don't do the vodka. Holy shit. Yeah, because Jagger to me is a step. It, that's more intense than just whiskey. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it, to me, it makes sense that all roads are leading to Fireball. <laughs> Dude, every time I every time I like I mention to people like if I have Jaeger and everything, and uh, I had mentioned people like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna probably have a couple drinks this weekend. Like, what you got in the fridge? And I'm like, oh, I got some Jagermeister. I swear to God, I see like their life flash before their eyes. Like you see regret in their face of some shitty stuff they did because of Jagermeister. Some how sick they got from Jagermeister. It's just like oh, oh, Vietnam flashbacks right now. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, oh, are you okay? Yeah. It, it it gets a visceral reaction just saying Jaeger. Yeah, yeah, right there. It does. All, half of our listeners have a flashback to <laughs> being in some shitty restroom somewhere in some wood paneled bar and. <laughs> Always you know. a wood panel bar, man. That's where the good shit happens. Oh, that's where Ideally, the bad shit happens also. <laughs> Ideal. Maybe there's some bikers out there. Maybe some BOCs playing. If it's the kind of bar I like hanging out at. <laughs> the Blue Oyster? You go to the Blue Oyster much? No, no, no. The Blue Oyster. I go to the Blue Oyster quite often. Uh, there's never any chicks there, though. <laughs> but, but, but if you get there and there's a chick, man, it's all yours. It's your oh, man. Shot. The ratio will be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Got to think outside the box sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it, maybe box was not the best word. To, to yeah, there's no with. fucking boxes at the Blue Oyster. <laughs> Holy shit! Not uh, holes. Now, anyway, off so, the glory so, holes. So, so Mark. Uh, yeah, so fireball. So you got the fireball. You got to do it now. I looked into this because I felt a little bad though because I encouraged it. So I googled it too. See, that's I'm an, I'm a good guy. I don't want Mark to die. <laughs> so I, I like Mark. I want him to live. So I looked into this, but uh, I googled it and the verdict is kind of out. I'm sure you read the same thing. It's so far there's no evidence that it will directly kill you. So I say go for it. It, it, might, it might. There is no evidence that this will kill you. There's only evidence that it will make you really, really fucked up. Yeah. That <laughs> happened with the now it, it don't oh goes, God. Yeah, well, because it, it goes. Because that will kill you. Yeah. Don't no. do that. Don't make sure you put it in your mouth. Yeah, but because the thing is, why, why it makes you really? It, it goes. <laughs> it goes right to the bloodstream. That's the thing. That's why people like snort drugs instead of you know. Yeah, uh, because it doesn't get filtered. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't get filtered. So the same thing, the same science is applied when you snort alcohol. So apparently a lot of college kids have been doing this. <laughs> I'm sure you read yeah, I read. I go, damn. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're part of this epidemic of uh, degeneracy. <laughs> There's a new Tide Pods, mine, mine, came, mine came from a song. What did theirs come from just to get high? You know, I did it for comedy. They're yeah. doing it just to get, they're being selfish. I'm doing it to share. They're doing it's, it just to get their own high, you know. It's it's art. You're expressing yourself. You yeah. put it into a video. So, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, man. One day you're going to end up doing a line of blow, and it's going to be like nothing for you. You're going to be like, like, that's it? <laughs> Your nose is going to be so desensitized to everything. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be like Stevie Nicks with no cartilage in the nose, man. Oh. oh. <laughs> Saying, you know, everything will be very nasal when you say from now on. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. People have to wear freaking dog whistles. <laughs> my nose is, dude, my nose still drips constantly, and I haven't, I've been, like, clean for, like, a long-ass time. That, yeah. That's... Well, I guess the next step, if you... Well, we'll see how it goes. If you survive the fireball, maybe there'll be a sequel trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Then that could go worse and worse and worse, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what happens in number four. Until you're, like, like snorting, like, poor African (laughs) children. It'll be like the Fast and Furious movies, right? Oh, God. <laughs> well, if it's the Fast and Furious movies, you're going to, like, snort whiskey and act like it's a new thing. And then, like, no, Mark, you did that in the first movie. <laughs> you're snorting the elephant man's bones. <laughs> we talk about Pink Floyd for the Trading at Time same album on its anniversary. Okay. Uh, anyway. So, uh, but anyway, so good luck. Uh, I'm looking forward to the fireball. <laughs> Not to put pressure on you, but you gotta do it now. And by the time this comes out, you would have already done it. <laughs> Probably. I'll so, wait till after my radio show on Tuesday because I want to be awake. <laughs> this, well, this, this won't be out for at least two weeks. So, so yeah. by the time people hear this, but it'll be like a prequel. People will be like people that want to know, like, hey, what was Darth Vader like back in the day? Uh, yeah, people will want to know what was Mark thinking before he snorted the fireball and ended up in the emergency room. What was he thinking? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so they'll know. They'll they'll, they'll have evidence. But I'm sure you'll you'll be, you'll survive. I'm just curious. The big thing, the big question will be: Will it make you throw up or not? That's what it seems like. That's going to be uh, the worst case scenario for Ooh. you is you throw up in video on the video. But if you do that, you got to oh, keep gosh. it in there, man. That's rock yeah. and roll. Vomit gets views. It's, uh, uh, keep it in there. Did you ever watch uh, the guy on YouTube that drank all the Tabasco? Well, tried to drink all the Tabasco. Oh, threw Was up, it yeah. reckless eating? Because I used to watch shit tons of <laughs> reckless eating videos just to watch them throw up. Yeah, he threw up about... Uh, he was a real trooper, though. He tried. He got about a quarter way through, and then he threw up. But man, was fucking... He was a legend, that kid. That college kid. Yeah. I don't like that feeling when you throw up. <laughs> I hate throwing like, up. It horrible. sucks. It's painful. But I still like, cry like a bitch geez, when I got I'd throw rather up go, I want to I would, I would go back and eat it again, but still. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you gotta go for it. I, I, you know what? I'm betting that you won't throw up, Mark. I don't think you will. I think you're gonna yeah. be fine. But uh, in your, a lot of people, and I didn't know this so much, you know, from just watching your videos. But you know, Mark's a big guy. He could be like a football player. He's a big guy. You know, yeah. you ever play? Did you ever play football back in the day, Mark? No. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> should have. <laughs> Good. He's a big guy. You don't know in the videos because in the videos we all look small. Some of us, like, like yeah, I'm, I'm actually a, short in real life. 
Yeah, I, I, I knew that. You know why? Because unless your wife is absurdly tall, <laughs> <laughs> I had a suspicion that you were on the short side. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a normal-sized person. I'm 5'10", but next to Mark, I look short. I actually have a lot of tall tall friends, so I always, I always feel short for some reason. I don't know why tall people like me, but they do for some reason. <laughs> so, so anyway... But, yeah, so good luck with the fireball. I don't think you're going to throw up. I think you're going to do it like a champ. I think you're going to be really fucked up, and it's going to be funny. And you got to do it with both, both nostrils, man. Uh, ooh, ooh, double nostrils. I did that in the last one. So. Yeah, so you can't go back. you, you got to up the ante. And, you know, I don't know. Have you, I'm, I'm sure you've drinking fireball before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you, you that know... That shit sneaks up on you, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it, Fireball is, like, kind of tough just to drink normal, so just yeah. imagine you snorting it. Yeah, maybe uh, in the sequels you could do Goldschlager. Yeah, so, somebody <laughs> somebody told me to do freaking uh, peppermint schnapps. I go, I ain't a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> baby, the schnapster. The <laughs> <laughs> shit. Years from uh, now, there'll be uh, scientists will be studying your uh, your 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 um, your your body. You know, one time I used to have one of those huge starter 49er jackets with a huge pocket in the front, and me and my friends we decided to go see this movie called The Sixth Man. I think it's one of the Wayne's brothers, where he's a ghost basketball okay. player and shit. And I got we got these bottles of schnapps, tequila. Freaking 12-pack of beer. We get in there, and these bitches say, I don't want to drink now. I go, fuck you guys. I drink everything, dude. I blacked out. Holy shit. I, I told my best friend that I wanted to fuck her. <laughs> she told <Damn. laughs> I was like, what the it's fuck? Good. Wait, I don't wait, remember you about a basketball player. It was like a Wayne Burns movie. This was in Joanna Man, was it? <laughs> no, it was the sixth man. Uh, I was say, if it was Juana, man, you didn't miss much. You're lucky you no, blacked out. That movie six man is pretty good. No, but I blacked out during the whole night. I only remember going to In-N-Out Burger over here, and I got a 4 by 4 and I looked at it, and I told my friend, I don't want this shit. And, it, <laughs> and then I blacked out for a long time, and then I just remember at 3 in the morning getting up and throwing up on the rug and grabbing a towel and putting it over and going back to sleep. <laughs> well, at least you got your own towel. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother, my older brother once, he got. He was drinking. We were at, we were having a party, and he was drinking Goldschlager. You know, have you guys ever drinking Goldschlager? No, I've never actually drinking Goldschlager. It I've actually, it, but I've never actually tried it. It has gold flakes in it, like actual gold is in it. Oh, like that shit from Superbad. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking crazy. So it's like on the bottom. There's little gold flakes in the bottom, yeah. and so and it. I guess it's kind of like what would you? How would you describe it, Mark? It's got almost kind of a licorice kind of taste to it. Yeah, oh like Jägermeister then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of nasty shit. But anyway, so it's got gold in it, and so he was drinking his Goldschlager. He drank a whole fucking bottle of Goldschlager. Oh shit! My wife drank a whole bottle of fucking Moscato last night and oh, some yeah. other alcohol too. I was like, Jesus Christ, woman. Hey, your, your wife is cool to party with, dude. You're lucky. You know what's funny? She's like a lightweight, but she can put down that Moscato. That's like the Ew. only thing she can like put down seriously. She comes out with two bottles and she's like wobbling all over the place. I'm like, oh, let me grab one of those before you drop it. Yeah. Oh, man. But she didn't throw up or anything? She was cool? She did not throw up. 
Good. I'm a little hungover this morning, so I, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> not bad, not bad, not bad. Yeah, my brother, my brother was like Mark with the the Goldschlager. Uh, I mean, with, with your schnapps or whatever you were drinking. He threw up all. He went to my fucking room, the bastard. He went to my bed, to my bedroom. And I was a teenager at the time, and he threw up. He threw. He's such a bastard. He goes and he throws up in my room. Why do people yeah. always aim, like, when they're about to throw up, they aim at, like, an uh, area you, they shouldn't throw up in? Or you're, like, you pull over so they can throw up, and you say, open the door, open the door, and they yeah. still throw up inside the fucking car. It's like, yeah, dude, dude. The, the thing is, like, he could have, if, if he held it in long enough to go and throw up in my room, he could have done it in the in the ba- bathroom. Yeah, well, I, I literally stop people to throw up, and they still don't open the fucking door. I, I had <laughs> until to, I get out there and open it up, and they're already halfway done. I had, I had to get an area rug, you know, so. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I remember one time uh, I was out partying with my friend Zach, and uh, I won't say his last name, but uh, we, we went we got, went out clubbing <laughs> in the city, in, like, Chicago, and uh, some guy, uh, one of our friends bought some blow from uh, this guy, and it ended up being some fake shit, like it was sweet and low, and we were pissed, because, like, dude, what the fuck is this shit? Like, this ain't blow, you know? It was like, yeah, this is sweet and low. <laughs> so we went out and drank, and the thing is, you know, when you drink, but you're doing blow, it's like you can keep going, you can keep pounding down drinks, you know, and you don't get sick. Well, yep. we didn't have any blow, and we go to the, we're, so we kept drinking, like how we normally would, but, like, we kept getting progressively worse than, so, like, you do that line, and you wake back up again, and you feel good again. So we got stupid sloppy drunk that night, and we actually went to the bathroom to do a line of sweet and low, and then I just remember waking up in my car, it's nighttime, and he's there, and we're both puking out the car window into this parking lot, just, you know, just puking nonstop, and it was like cranberry vodka that they're serving at this club, like, and so it was just pink vomit everywhere. And it was summertime, so then, like, we wake up in the morning, and it's, like, blistering hot, like, 100 degrees, and we wake up in this parking lot, like, fuck, like, we're so dehydrated, we feel like we're legit gonna die. That was the worst. Uh, Dude, we had a freaking what is it called, the St. Patrick's Day party, the first time I went with my wife to her friend's house. They had all this green shit to eat, so I was eating all the cupcakes and cookies, <laughs> drinking fucking Irish whiskey all night. I drank too, oh. I drank a little bit too much, but I was fine. They got wife, beer in Chicago. Future, yeah, my future <laughs> wife went in the bathroom and she threw up, and then I just went in there to go for a pee, but I smelled the throw up, and I just went <laughs> green throw up splattering everywhere. It looked like an alien died in there. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I don't. I don't think we've ever discussed throwing up quite so much on this show. <laughs> yeah. And it's perfect because this is a good segue here. Jim Morrison. Now there's yep. a guy that probably threw up more than one time. Oh God, yeah, I got drink so goddamn much. Holy shit. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's funny you you already segued. I was gonna try and segue because I had shit ton of KFC and some drink some beers before this episode. So I've been shitting like a motherfucker. So let's just say the doors of my ass were opening up constantly. <laughs> Holy shit! Like I'm like I'm like kind of soldiering on right now. I'm like hunched over in my seat right now, just trying to drink the pain away. <laughs> Break on through, man. Break yeah, it through. broke on through all right. Oh my. <laughs> Oh, Lord. That was well, okay. my asshole. 
Yeah, but that's it, man. It's you gotta be. That's the truth, man. Yep. <laughs> that's your truth. Ride it out. That's your truth, man. Ride out the storm. Man. Yo, serious Doors fans are gonna listen to this episode. I'm gonna post this in some Doors groups. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" First 18 minutes, and they're talking about taking shits and throwing up. <laughs> well, we don't want. We, well, let's put it this way. And I think you, I don't know. I mean, we're all big Doors fans from the sound of it. When we were talking in the chat, like we all said, we didn't have to do notes for this album. I feel like it's all in our DNA. I mean, all the Doors albums, the six albums, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if you know your mythology of Jim Morrison and a lot of stuff that the band have said over the years, you, you guys know about Jimbo. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, you just did an example of Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, so apparently there's two sides of Jim Morrison. There's yep. the very highly intelligent man. He had 160 IQ. He was technically a genius. Yeah, like, yeah. a lot of times... We, we, you, yeah. you're silly in like four years right yeah yeah he was, a, he was a very very highly intelligent man and you could tell from his lyrics and he was in just the things he said highly intelligent but at the same time he had a florida redneck streak in him <laughs> that apparently came out not with the drugs in the early days when he did acid he was more cerebral and like raven's air got along with him and and he was kind of more the collegiate smart guy on acid but Things kind of flipped, especially around a soft parade in Morrison Hotel, when he shifted more to alcohol, and he kind of gave up psychedelics. And that's when he got kind of fat and grew the beard. And Raymond's heir called this persona. He said there was a new persona that kind of emerged called that he called Jimbo. <laughs> and you hear Jimbo a lot on L.A. Woman. <laughs> yeah. and, and But you, you even hear him a little bit, especially on one song on this album, where I think it's the first foreshadowing, which you guys already probably can guess which song. But there is one song that kind of foreshadows that a little bit. Um, it, but Jimbo, he had this side. So Jim Morrison, he just got both things. And this is why it's interesting. They're an interesting band, The Doors, because both like intellectuals and people that are into college rock and new wave love The Doors, and they influence a lot of those kind of bands. But also, a lot of hard rock guys and metalheads and people in the Southern Rock and stuff like that love The Doors as well, you know? And I think it's largely because of Jim Morrison. He kind of represented these two sides. Like, the, and I don't want to get political, but uh, let's just say that Jim Morrison was almost a personification of the culture war. You know, he's kind of like two Americas in one. And, yeah. and, and he's kind of like this for a lot of people. But so, one side of Jim Morrison... Are you rocking out? Turn <laughs> <laughs> your fucking phone wrong. off, Mark. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah, I liked that. I thought you were doing a little John Densmore beat. <laughs> well, that was actually because I had the track list pulled up and I hit the song on accident. So that was <laughs> John Densmore, it's all right. yeah. It's alright. So anyway. Uh, I thought, I, that sounded like fucking the average homeboy song. Like, sample drum beat. I thought Mark started about busting out about like rapping about his fruit loops and shit. I thought you were going to start backing me up, like, you know, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I am backing you up! Yeah! Okay. Insane in the brain guy. <laughs> Insane in the brain! I'm not your no average homeboy. <laughs> anyway, so back, just what I'm saying is Morrison, what I'm saying, he was both an intellect, but he was also a fucking drunken degenerate. <laughs> and he had both sides. And... That's kind of the genius of Jim Morrison and why I think he could connect with so many people. And another thing, I just say he's the, and we'll get more into this as we get into it. But the man, I don't know, I feel in some ways, it's funny to say, but I feel like Jim Morrison's a little marginalized now. I feel like he's not as important as 
we all thought he was, like in the 90s. I'm just saying, I feel like people kind of forget he really is the first rock star. Yeah. I mean, I real agree. rock. I feel real like it's Rochelle left by Hendrix. Yeah, because, I mean, Hendrix, amazing guitarist, great guitarist, but we're talking about. He's not front man. Not front. We're talking about the persona. The Beatles. They were, you know, even during the Sgt. Pepper stage, when they were doing drugs and stuff, they still kind of had a nice guy image, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Rolling Stones didn't even really start to lean into their bad boy image quite as much until after The Doors' first album. Um, and you got, like, Elvis, of course, was a, you know, like, he, he, like his performances and stuff back in the day, and Elvis was a huge influence on Jim Morrison, but Elvis still had this, like, nice guy that liked his mother kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't, like, he was, he was still somewhat conservative. Jim Morrison was really the first guy that was out there, long hair, leather pants. Fucking his naughty. Hair, his hair was longer than the Beatles and everyone in 1967. Showing his dick, yeah. And, and, that was and, later, but still. <laughs> but even though no one like he was just so hedonistic and out there and not hiding anything. Even the Stones censored themselves when they did uh, Sullivan at Sullivan. Whereas and uh, and the thing, Jim the big, not. One of the big things was drinking on stage. It seems so simple nowadays. People probably don't think yeah. much about, but like him drinking on stage, like no one drank alcohol on stage, smoked on stage. That was like a new thing, man. No one had ever done that. It was a shock yeah, in the in 60s. The, in the banter with the crowd, the audience, everything that we think of a rock star before Marilyn Manson and Axl Rose and David Lee Roth and all these guys, all these guys before them, before Robert Plant, before Ozzy, Jim Morrison is the prototypical hard rock slash metal singer singer even though the doors is not a metal band and jim morrison didn't have that kind of voice sometimes although he could get very he had some really powerful screams sometimes he could get oh very fuck yeah you're just yeah, so, typo negative <laughs> yeah yeah and, and glenn danzig obviously yeah. there's so many people but you know just the as the image and he put that image together himself he chose his clothes the leather pants all that and and it's a and I understand that in one thing it's very fashionable and hey I agree to say hey the poor doors they get overshadowed by Jim Morrison they're amazing musicians and we will talk about each one of these amazing the three amazing musicians in the doors uh, as we go track by track but hey that's their problem that they were in a band of Jim Morrison you know that's <laughs> you're in a band of, I think the greatest and the first and greatest rock star of all time, then yeah, everyone's going to end up talking about Jim Morrison. So that's it. That's me talking about Jim Morrison and, his, and just his overall importance, I feel. So, uh, Mark, in terms of your personal relationship with the Doors, and uh, when did you get into them? When did, when did they first <clears throat> under your radar? I think I got into them like in '87 when uh, I was working. When you got into everything, fucking in and out. Got into, got into everything, man. (laughs) In and out was like a musical spurt, dude. My next door neighbor started it, and then In and Out finished it. (laughs) Here's a question: What did you listen to before you what worked at In and Out? Oh, I was listening to Duran Duran, Ario Speedwagon, uh, freaking Depeche Mode, The Cure. Mostly, okay. like, K-Rock music here. Okay, so and you then, just listen to K-Rock, pretty much. But I also was a... Also, 1983 with Jeff Leppard. That was my first, like, pseudo-metal band. 
and it got me into like Motley Crue and stuff like that. I like Poison, which nobody calls them metal anymore. But uh, back then, they were considered like metal. <laughs> so I like yeah. that stuff. But getting into like classic rock and Led Zeppelin, that started with fucking In and Out Burger right there. Except the so, Beatles. I was always into the Beatles. So so essentially, if it was either older music or underground kind of shit uh, for the most, or deeper kind of metal shit, you that. You you were listening to stuff that was you know that you got turned on to by MTV or the radio, but then this guy in and out got you into the, some of the other shit. Yeah, Scott Travato. Yeah. So uh, so the Doors were part of that wave. Did you start for yeah. Greatest Hits or was there a certain album? Uh, I just bought the you know the Double Greatest Hit CD. Yeah, the one that has that classic yeah. fo- photo of him on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. I got I had that, that one, yeah. and then I freaking just started getting all of them because I wanted to hear more. Yep. And then I saw the movie, and I go, oh, this guy rules. <laughs> you know, I thought the movie was over-exaggerated. With Val Kilmer, man, come on. It was not sang all that shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. Amazing performance. Um, and you know what? It wasn't that exaggerated. No. <laughs> just a little bit, but, you know, not that Yeah, much. But the Doors uh, were just fucking awesome. And then I got that live album uh, in concert where yeah. you just hear his banner on the stage or just making up shit, like going dead cats, dead rats, before break on through. and like... Oh, oh my god, fucking, his banner on stage was just, like, fucking so real and raw. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, like he, the opposite of Paul Stanley. It's yeah. very natural, <laughs> and it's very naturally witty. He's funny as hell. Oh, my he, god. He says. Yeah, we know Paul Stanley don't drink or do drugs or smoke weed. What the fuck, dude? No, Paul Stanley, man, used to, yeah, Paul Stanley went to Studio 54, was doing, you know, sucking dick for blow, you know? He was just partying back in the fucking day. That was just an excuse. The blow was the excuse that was not, that was Paul not didn't, Yeah, he wasn't even a drug addict. He just wanted to suck some dick. Hey, your ratings just went up 100% talking about Kiss. Good job, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, but yeah, so every year, uh, one of the, which Jim, Jim Morrison, uh, he said, that's the, one of my favorite things, he said, uh, he was in, he was in New York. Just imagine that, how things, how different things were. But he was in New York, and he was mocking New York for not being, like, as cool as LA, because he's from LA. So he had this kind of, the whole West Coast, East Coast thing started with Jim Morrison. <laughs> and, and he's like saying, oh yeah, that's the thing about New York, you know, uh, the guys rush the stage. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, fuck New York. Well, they're they're, still, they're pizza. doing New York music scene anymore, and they're still in L.A. music scene, so fuck you, New York. And he made a, yeah, fuck made New York. I think another one was like, oh, in New York, you could pick your teeth with the joints. It was another thing. <laughs> oh, my favorite, though, is the Sagittarius one, the the one with the, the girl. You can actually hear this on the American Dream uh, album, where before the live Roadhouse Blues, he's like starts talking about... Um, uh, the zodiac signs, and he starts. He's like baiting him a little bit to make it make you think he's into it. He's like, yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm a Sagittarius. That's the most philosophical of the signs. And then there's this girl. You hear this girl in the front row. She's always agreeing with Jim. Like, yeah, Jim. Yeah, Jim. I am too. Yeah, Jim. And then Jim goes, of course, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and then the girl goes, I do too. <laughs> oh my God. He was a fucking mo- funny motherfucker, Jim Morrison. Yeah, he was He's trolling people like before trolling was even a thing. Hopefully, that whole Miami concert is one big troll. 
that's it's yeah. just one giant troll and that's the thing too even like Jim Morrison was not as political as people would like to think he was sometimes but one thing that I noticed and I'm a fan of Oliver Stone so nothing against Oliver Stone mm-hmm. but he I noticed that he kind of purposely took out two important things in the rant the whole you're a b- bunch of fucking slaves rant which is almost it's like verbatim what he actually said at that show i've heard the actual you know audio tapes except for he, there was two thing lines that i noticed that oliver stone took out which he before he said that he goes i ain't talking about no revolution i ain't talking about no demonstration like he's making fun of the hippies fuck hippies Five to one has like anti-hippie lyrics if you listen to the lyrics. So uh, by the same time, he was definitely no conservative either. You know, Jim Morrison was just, he was his own thing. You know, he was his own crazy wild, he was an independent, if anything. Yeah, I I like that, man, because he he go off on the hippies, man. I hate hippies. I can't stand fucking hippies. I can't stand hippies. I love Lee. Cut your hair, yeah, but he's a cool hippie. I tell you, that's, cool the, that, that's why so many of the punk rockers and the metalheads and people like Alice Cooper, they loved Morrison. Because Morrison was he, was, he was outside that shit. He was not some flower-twirling hippie. He, he, was, he was like the beginning. He was like the counter-counterculture before it happened. Like, he was ahead of the curve. That's the thing yeah. about Jim Morrison. He was really ahead of the curve, and he's awesome. I love this fucking guy. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. e- e- Eric... Where did you, uh, how did you get into the Doors? Oh, shit. So, my thing with the Doors, I mean, I knew about Breakout Through the Other Side. Um, I knew about Jim Morrison, uh, you know, through my mom, because she had the greatest hit scene with the iconic image. Um, she had, um, I think she had the debut album as well. Um, so, I was kind of casual with the Doors, but I just remember seeing, like, uh, VH1 specials or like commercials for like CDs or something for the doors. I just remember seeing Jim Morrison just, this guy looked like fucking crazy. I just remember seeing footage like they're doing these shows and they have all these fucking cops at the shows. He's getting arrested every freaking night and I'm like, like what the fuck is this guy doing? Like this guy is insane. He's getting arrested every night. They got police at every fucking show. You don't see us at Kiss show. Oh my god, Kiss. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I was always like kind of mesmerized, but it wasn't until middle school when I really, really got into the Doors. Now, you know, the Doors are a band I don't listen to very much anymore. They, um, they're a band that like I still love. I, you know, I don't hate them, but I definitely, I'm not as into them as I used to be, you know, in middle school. Middle school, I had this big phase where I just got super into the doors. You know, I kind of went through a, I kind of went through a little, like, I wouldn't call it a pretentious stage, but I went through that phase where, like, I'm kind of trying to look for more mature music to listen to, um, besides just, you know, party time music like Kiss and, you know, you know, some of the metal I was listening to, like Maiden. Just trying to find other music to listen to and trying to think that I'm, like, you know, trying to think I'm artsy, you know, I'm artsy-fartsy kind of. We all go through kind of that pretentious phase, and I was watching this TV special on VH1 about the culture wars and all that, and they had a segment with the Doors on Ed Sullivan, uh, you know, where they said hire when they weren't supposed to, and I just remember listening to that performance by Jim Morrison, and him just, you know, screaming his ass off during that song, Seen him decked out in the leather, the long hair, and it was just, it struck a chord with me, because I'm a young kid in middle school, you know, I'm transitioning from being a little kid to being a teenager, 
you know, so I'm feeling all that rebellious, like, nature, you know, going through puberty and shit, and just seeing this badass, like, screaming his ass off, all decked out in leather, long hair, looking fucking cool, that just struck a chord with me, I was like, I want to be that fucking guy, he's badass, like, that's, that guy gets pussy every fucking night, that guy parties, <laughs> that guy knows what's up, and so I just, like, after that, I just went out and bought a bunch of Doors stuff. Um, I bought all their albums, and I just became obsessed with the Doors. And for like about two years, man, I was just obsessed with the Doors, and I read everything I could about Jim Morrison. I saw the movie, listened to all the albums. Like I studied like Jim Morrison, like his stage moves, his like attitude and whatnot. You know, I started writing like lyrics and poetry, like he did, like you know, weird shit and. Uh, you know, started, that was when I kind of started experimenting with drugs, started drinking, you know, and, uh. No, I, he didn't inspire me that much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I was obsessed with Jim Morrison, man, and, uh, even, like, almost got me laid with a college girl when I was, uh, I think, like, I think it was when I was a freshman in high school. I almost got laid with a college girl because of Jim Morrison, because I sang all of his songs at karaoke night one night, like, perfectly. Cause I got his voice and everything down, his mannerisms. Uh, so I almost got laid with a college girl uh, because of it. Yeah, dude, no. you got all these kids today turning into the hot teachers that they're having sex with. Like, dude, for real, that's bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Where's all those hot teachers when I was a kid? I know, what the fuck, dude? They're all yeah. turning them in, they're going to jail, you know? Fuck, the kid fucking manipulated that teacher also. Dude, I got suspended from... Uh, that's a quick uh, segue. I, dude, when I was in elementary school, first grade... I literally got in trouble at school because I, you know, I was a little kid. I didn't know how, I didn't know this was a bad thing. I kissed one of my teachers. <laughs> I stood up on a bench and kissed her, like, and I didn't realize it was bad. But then, like, I realized, my mom told me, like, you can't be doing that. And, like, yelled at me. I'm like, oh, this is actually bad. Okay. What, what, what was it an open mouth kiss? <laughs> no, I, I was a little kid, man. Well, so it wasn't open all, mouth. So it wasn't that. It wasn't that bad, but I learned right away, like, okay, you can't do that, (laughs) you know, that's bad. But that's only because it it wasn't Florida. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted to give the teacher your apple. Dude, like, I never went through, as a little kid, I never went through a phase where I was like, ew, girls. I was always like, ooh, chicks, like, all right, (laughs) you know? You didn't have have the latency uh, period. No man, I was always I was always about the ladies, man. I think I was old, never girls my age, but I was always older women. That's well, yeah, actually, yeah, that makes it makes sense because the the girls your age were, you know, they didn't hit have they didn't hit puberty yet. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, so girl in fourth grade did, and I was like in love with her. She had huge boobs in fourth grade, and I was like, everybody else is flat. I'm okay. looking at her. Her name is Cameron Palmer. I go, oh uh, fuck. For the record, we do not endorse checking out girls in fourth grade. That's <laughs> I was in fourth grade. I hope okay. none of our viewers do either. That's fucking nasty. <laughs> I was in. I was a fourth grade kid at the time, dude. I know. It's all right. It's all. It's all <laughs> if you're also in fourth grade, it's all right. <laughs> Again, like I'm. Like I said, the people that are gonna listen to this who are like serious hardcore Doors fans are gonna be like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> <laughs> I know we like, haven't even got to the album yet. We yeah, I'll try, I, I'll try and wrap it up real quick. I'll try and wrap it up. I, I went off there on a tangent. Let me crack open this beer. Got Molson Triple X. Um, but so yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with the Doors, man, and you know, just was obsessed with Jim Morrison. Listened to all his music, and then you know, I, I kind of grew grew out of it. You know, I started kind of getting more into heavy metal again. 
and discovering like other metal bands. Like I was really kind of into the hair metal, but I also too later on got into more like thrash and like the heavier stuff. But the Doors are always like you know they're a special part of uh, my life, you know, because there's still um, you know things I picked up from the Doors music that you know influenced me when I was writing music and performing. And uh, their music's still real special to me. I just don't listen to it as much as I used to, but still holds a pretty close uh, spot in my heart, man. So, uh, Edwin, why don't you go on? You said you have a very special story to share about the movie that they made. Uh, yeah, I'll, and I'll get to that. I just want to say one thing. It's interesting because we never discussed this, Eric, but maybe this is why uh, just inherently we came together to do a podcast because, like yourself... Uh, very similar. Junior high, I was obsessed with the Doors and Jim no Morrison. Shit. Yeah, a lot. Almost everything you said, even being hot for my older teachers, everything you said <laughs> was uh, pretty much verbatim my junior high experience. Uh, even though you know we're from different generations, but yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. Um, yeah, uh, the Doors were the the very. Actually, it's kind of started late in elementary school. I think it was about like fifth grade. I had already. I've heard. I heard some of their songs. Like I knew, "Light My Fire." Um, mm-hmm. I I think it was. Um, I heard "Hello, I Love You." It was in the movie Neighbors. A really awesome scene in the movie Neighbors with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Great film. Yeah. Very underrated. I still need to see that one. I keep hearing so much about how it's so underrated. It's so it's so underrated. It was ahead of its time. It, people weren't ready for a movie like that <laughs> back then. But it's great. And it's a really funny scene with Dan Aykroyd like dancing around this kitchen to "Hello, Hello, I Love You." So I remember that. And then I think it was an episode of The Wonder Years was on at the time and. It was which we you brought up actually in the last episode, but uh, they played Riders. The Wonder Years. They, they played Riders on the Storm, and that was the first time I heard Riders on the Storm, and I was like blown away as a little kid. I was like, "Who did this song?" And I asked my mom. I think it was my mom. I said, like, who, "Who did that song?" She said, "Oh, that's the Doors." And I'd already known that the Doors were this band that did "Light My Fire" and "Hello, I Love You." So I was like, "Wow, wait a minute!" The same band that did these other two songs I love also did this song. It's very different. Yeah, and it's very different, but I loved them all. And then um, I was at an age where I was starting to get, like, allowance money, you know, by doing chores and stuff. And so I, it was the very first, like, I had cassettes and records and things that my, um, you know, parents had bought me, you know, as gifts and stuff. But this was the first time that I took allowance money, and instead of going out and buying, like, a Transformer, like, G.I. Joe action figure, or you know, or comic books, it was the first time... I went out and bought a cassette, and I went to this mall in Florida. I was living in Florida at the time, where Jim Morrison is from. I went to uh, a mall in Florida, and I remember I bought. It was it was not the the greatest hits you're talking about, Mark. It was actually because uh, I was I was too I didn't have enough money to buy a CD or especially a double CD. So I, I just had like ten bucks. So I bought like an eight dollar cassette. It was a greatest hits. It was probably like from the early '80s. My guess would be it was a greatest a single tape greatest hits of the doors so it's just like eight songs and you can guess what the eight songs were uh one of them though was uh not to touch the earth which was kind of cool that they that was one of the oh that's interesting yeah so but all the others were the songs you would expect you know la woman you know um touch me riders on the storm break on through um stuff roadhouse blues you know all the ones you would expect and and uh I just, I played the shit out of the cassette, and you know, and it was very special for me, because it was the first time that, because before I'd just been borrowing my brother's cassettes, you know, or his CDs, my brother's stuff, it was the first time I went out 
and I got and I made a, a choice, my own choice, you know, to buy something. So that that you know, it means something to me, and it still means something to me. So it was like the first time I heard something and went, "This is something I'm into." Just me, not my brother, not my parents. I'm gonna go get the doors. And then uh, about a few months, like maybe a year later, I, did, I was in junior high and I did the Columbia House scam. And I, that's, <laughs> that, that's when I got the CD that Mark's talking about. Yep, that's where I got nice. mine too. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I got the, the double best. And yep. That was, I believe, called the best of the doors. Like the yep. first one I got was Greatest Hits. This was the best of the doors. And of course, it was twice as many songs. And God damn it, they were all amazing. So... Yep. So I, I would say it was it was actually before the movie came out. The Doors were the first band. I said in the Aerosmith video I did, one of my very earliest YouTube videos, I said Aerosmith was the first band I did a deep dive of. That's actually not true. I got it. I mean, I kind of remembered it wrong. Aerosmith were really the second band I did a deep dive with. The first band was actually The Doors. It was close to the same time period. I had started buying some Aerosmith stuff, so I was beginning to deep dive them. But I do believe I had every Doors album, every you know proper studio album, plus Absolutely Live and American uh, Prayer. I had that all before I had every Aerosmith album. I'm pretty sure that the Doors are the first band I went back through and I got every album of theirs. It was easy because I didn't have that many albums, so I got all their. I had all the cassettes. You know, you're talking the, about all the Jim albums, right? So they had two albums with uh, just Ray on vocals. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know about those albums. I know, though, yeah, everyone I doesn't even know, know about those. I, I, I didn't discover that until the internet, <laughs> like years later. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So I still I, have never heard them. <laughs> oh, I did, Other Voices is kind of alright. It's alright. I mean, you know, it lacks Jim Morrison, so it's exactly what you would think the Dwarves kind of sound like without Jim Morrison. Yeah. Uh, the, I think with Ian Osbury, they would sound like that without Jim Morrison. Well, he <laughs> was with them. He did, like, some shows with them. Yeah, Ian's awesome. I love Ian Ashbury. Oh. But it's hard to it's hard to replace Jim. Maybe Bell oh, would have been the best bet. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, he did so a good yeah. fucking job. Oh, he did a great job. Uh, so but so it was a perfect time. So this is like I think it's that you know I'm always talking about the magical year of '91. I think it's '91. Let me could you guys let's look this up real quick. I just want to get <laughs> my facts all right. The Doors movie. When was the Doors movie? I think it's '90s. Jesus. Let me look. Let me look. This is yeah, you look it. That would be when I was working at In and Out because that's when I went to it. So it'd be between eighty seven. Mark, you worked at In and Out forever. Six years. I, I, I called it. I was right. Ninety one. You were still working at In and Out in the early nineties. Yep. Oh, okay. Going in my dad's ball 91, sack. Ninety one. Ninety one. The year that punk broke. Okay. Ninety one. <laughs> Ninety one. That was like probably my most important year in music. For a lot, everything was crossing. I was listening to the thrash. I was very into Metallica and Testament stuff. I was still listening to a lot of the classic rock I gotten into. I got into Aerosmith, ACDC. I was just about to get into like Nirvana and a lot of that Seattle stuff. So it was a, it was a real crossroads period. I was very into Faith No More at that time period. Um, I just like uh, I think uh, I, I was just getting into Motorhead. I was just getting into a lot of shit. So, but at this point though, I had had every Doors album. So I was already, I was like a Doors expert by '91. I had read also the that book, uh, No One Here Gets Out Alive. Yeah. So, and I now I was in junior high. So I was at that point, kind of what you were talking about, Eric. I was in junior high, and, and I just wanted to be Jim Morrison. So, <laughs> so imagine this. But this is the thing. This new movie. Now imagine you, Eric. Imagine if the Doors movie was coming out 
at that stage. Oh, <laughs> fuck, dude. <laughs> this was, like, the greatest thing that could ever happen in my life. Like, this big, yeah. amazing mm. movie was coming out right as I was at peak, peak Doors fandom. But I was only in junior high. So how do I get into this R-rated movie? Okay, so me and these two other friends, this other friend of mine who's like a stoner kid, and I hadn't actually done, I hadn't started doing drugs at that point. I, I had drinking a little bit, you know, would sink, I would drink a little bit of Soko. I did start drinking a little early in junior high, actually. Yeah. But I, I didn't start doing pot and stuff until high school. But I was drinking a little bit. I had an older brother, so, like, he was five years older, so, like, he, you know, hooked me up with stuff sometimes. So, anyway, so me and this buddy and this girl that we were friends with, uh, we, uh, and we're like, I don't know, we're like 13 or something. So we, we're, we go, I, I have a plan. I say, let's just go to the movie. We'll be in line, and it's the door. So there'll be some cool rocking, like, older teenagers there, like, that are, like, probably, like, 17 or 18. They'll get us in. And... <laughs> That was my plan. It was a good plan, and it fucking worked. So what happened? <laughs> lie. And you know, I'm like eyeing up the crowd, and you know, I guess I'm pretty smart for a young kid. I I, I see these kind of headbanger dudes. I see these kind of like older kids. You know, I thought of them as like older kids. They were like 17 or whatever. And I go up and I chat them up a little bit, and I'm in line. And I read the girl we were there with, she was a little embarrassed by it, because, you know, we're junior high kids. She's like, oh, this is embarrassing. I said, God damn it, we're going to fucking see the doors. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was kind of pretty, so that probably helped a bit, you know. Yeah. So, so, uh, so we go there, and I chat up these guys, and these guys are awesome. They're like, yeah, yeah, you could come in with us. Because, you know, you need to enter with a 17 or older person to enter an yeah, order. Yeah. So they said, yeah, yeah, sure, you could come in. Because I was like, you gotta understand, I'm, I love Jim Morrison, I love Doors, could, could we come in with you? And these guys, I've always had a soft spot for these guys who I don't know and don't remember their name, <laughs> but <laughs> awesome older teenagers are like, yeah, let's let the fucking cool junior high kids that are hip to the Doors in with us. So, I went in, and let me tell you something, I've been to R-rated movies before, but like with my parents, you know, or my older... Yeah, so you can't really yeah. enjoy it that much. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't really, yeah, it's like you kind of got your parents there watching, so it's like you can't but really my, let deuce. But, yeah, but my, uh, it was just, there was something about the freedom of kind of seeing an R-rated movie on my own without my family. With yeah. a bunch, and, and let me, as you can imagine, the audience was pretty much just a bunch of stoner teenagers, and people were smoking pot in the. You know, oh fuck yeah! Nice. yeah it was like, instead of Ramadome doing that. This was actually, I think it might have been. Yeah, it was like the same year I went to like uh, my first uh, two concerts, which were Aerosmith and ACDC uh, in nice. Spectrum. So this was '91 is an amazing year for me. Like I did all these first things. That was so, a pump tour, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was the pump tour. Yep, I Black saw Rose. that too with Skid Row opening. I Black Rose. Ooh, shit. Black yeah. Rose were opening at mine. So oh, uh, mine was yeah. Skid Row in L.A. Yep, for him. Mine was Philly yeah. and Black Rose. It was a great show. Well, that was a good show though. Oh, they did one Black way. Black Rose rules. Oh yeah, they were good. <laughs> and Aerosmith did One Way Street. It was awesome. Yeah. Great show. And and then I you know that same year I saw ACDC do the Razor's Edge tour. And did that one too. Yep, that, <laughs> yep. Love Hate opened up. Who opened up for yours? <laughs> I think it was LA. Funny how Love Hate opened because I I really love hate that album. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, it was, I, I think it was LA Guns. There, well, that Ooh, LA, LA Guns, fuck yeah. yeah. But yeah, so imagine. But you know, I gotta tell you as much. And it's funny because the Aerosmith also did a Doors cover. They did uh, Love Me Two Times at the show. Oh shit! 
Yeah, because mm. they had done a cover that was in uh, that movie, Air America, so they were actually including it at that tour. And I remember Steven Tyler, he didn't say The Doors, he said, here's a song by Jim Morrison. It's actually written by Robbie Krieger, but I guess he yeah. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, and we'll talk about Robbie when we get into the album, but, the, he, but I remember that. But anyway, so it was amazing. I mean, I'm sitting, seeing this awesome and it's a movie that earned its r rating you know there's a lot of nudity and sex and cursing and you it's see so Jim morrison's dick you see dicks you see everything <laughs> and, and it's so rock and roll and it makes you you know on a big screen in those mm-hmm. like those concert scenes the miami and that you know when they're doing not to touch the earth and just everything and this you know so many famous lines and things from that movie and yeah. that, and it, i just you can imagine it was like this is like rock and roll babylon i'm watching this and like that's that movie and that experience is more rock and roll than i would say 95 percent of rock concerts these days <laughs> I agree. oh i agree that heavily. movie is awesome man. And, and it was just amazing it was an amazing time and you know, I don't always get nostalgic, but that that that's something that's good. To, it was it was worthy of my nostalgia. It was an awesome time, and the crowd was so cool. And it was like a movie that was like a fucking rock concert. Like I can go back in a time machine and actually see the Doors live, but this was like the next best thing, and it was awesome. And you could, as you can imagine, I became even more obsessed with the Doors afterwards. Like you know, I just was listening to their albums nonstop. And unlike you, uh, Eric, I wouldn't say I, I like stop. I, I don't. I, I don't listen to them as much as I did back mm-hmm. in junior high. But you know, I don't go a year without listening to Doors. Sometimes me too, man. I, I think go, I will say though, there's yeah, like there's some songs I'll like still listen to. Like usually, like every at least every year. Uh, but this is the one album I will go back to probably the most. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't hate The Doors, really. I mean, there's some stuff, there's a couple songs that, like, maybe when I was, like, you know, in junior high, I thought were genius, whereas now I grew up and it's not really my thing, but there's still a lot, a lot of songs that are just still amazing. It's just, I just don't listen to them. Uh, another band like that is Aerosmith. Like, I used to listen to Aerosmith all the fucking time in high school and middle school, and I still like them, like that, I mean, the 70s stuff when they were on drugs, but, uh... I, I don't listen to them that much anymore. I can't remember the last time I listened to a Aerosmith album. You know, it's but I still like them. I hear some. I still you know I still get into it. I still think it's amazing. Just I don't know well, why. It's weird. Pump, 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 pump and get a grip are like underrated albums by them. Pump is good. I don't really like get a grip. Get a grip has a lot of raw seventies riffs on that album. No, they, get a they, grip. There is they, Mark. Did, Mark, did you ever read my essay about the original get a grip? No. Okay, I'll post that on uh, the page this week so you can see it. Yeah, because like Rich is like totally like seventies Aerosmith. Half, half that, half the Grip is great. Half of it's shitty, in my opinion. And the half I do of, like uh, Eat the Rich. The it's half a great the, fucking song. It's from yep. the earlier sessions. There were two sessions. They, but you know, hey, we'll we'll talk more about Aerosmith on the next episode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We got an Aerosmith episode coming up, and with Mark's co-host. Oh shit, oh. that's gonna be fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> Just make yeah. sure to bring up Bon Jovi a couple times. You'll have. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get it. We okay. The preamble's done. Let's break on through. Let's talk about the debut album. All I'm gonna say is, the last episode was about Sgt. Pepper. 
And we all know, listen, actually, I, I might disappoint some people with that episode because I think they were expecting me to trash it more than I did. I mean, I still probably... too nice to it. <laughs> I hope you guys trash fucking within without you, man. I'm going to be really excited. Well, by the time this episode's out, people have already heard that episode. Within Without You is a fucking amazing song. I'm the only oh one that fucking likes it. Oh my fucking the sitar, dude. I fucking love oh my, Mark, you've never made love to it. I don't like any sitar. <laughs> I like a couple songs that the Beatles did with the sitar, but any sitar song with the Beatles is horrible. No, Mark, the reason you don't appreciate it is probably because you never made love to an Indian woman and you don't understand the beauty of sitar oh music. Oh my god, I love George Harrison, but dude. <laughs> No, I, I listen. <laughs> I spent too much of my life talking about within you, without you. <laughs> I just want to barf like you oh, want to do with silent, like you want to do with silent lucidity. That's my silent lucidity right there. Oh, how dare you! By one of my oh, favorite fuck bands, lucidity. Fucking Chris Guillermo should be ashamed of himself right all, now. All I, can, all I can, all I can say, silent lucidity is better than she's leaving home. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to leave home anytime I hear that song playing on the speakers. Fuck silent lucidity. <laughs> You guys all need to get high and just get Within Without You, and that album's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, Within Without You, Mark, you never made love to an Indian woman. That's why you do not understand the beauty of the sitar side of the Beatles. And, and you never made love to a woman wearing a meter maid outfit, which yeah. is why oh, you, you yeah. don't <laughs> listen to this tomorrow. Back. <laughs> I, I think part two is the best part because that's when we get into oh, that shit. shit. We actually stop with, I guess, I, we're like midpoint. We actually stopped. With me hating on she's leaving home. <laughs> oh, dude, <man. laughs> yeah, it's my fucking harmonies are amazing. I'm not I give away. I don't listen to music for just fucking harmonies. If it did, oh, I, 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 like, I like the lyrics Paul, too. Man. Paul on Oates would be my favorite band if it was about fucking just Paul harmonies. Paul Oates rules. <laughs> no, yeah. it's all right. They're all right. I don't hate them, but it's just yeah, man. I saw you guys <sighs> did that episode. I go, what the fuck? But the, I saw who you had on there. Fucking great, great co-host now. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a great episode. It's so yeah. great that we had to split in two. We were just one on and on. I mean, Sgt. Pepper is a very layered album. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, you dude, have to I'll make it epic because it's, it's always an epic just, album. Yeah. I'll always just put a four-hour episode up. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well, let's, let's, <laughs> well yeah. now I'm going to break on through this, this I'm, I'm album. I'm playing on this album. This is the thing. And then I'm okay. going to say this now. Even though I don't hate Sgt. Pepper, and like, you know, you heard what I had to say about Sgt. Pepper. I recognize yeah. it's a masterpiece, blah, blah, blah. But it's my least favorite Beatles album. But yeah. I, rec I recognize it as a masterpiece, objectively. Well, this, in my opinion, wipes the floor of Sgt. Pepper. All right? Oh, freaking yeah. my heart. <laughs> Listen, in my opinion, it's different, but it's definitely more rock and roll. This is the thing, and I think, with the exception of a couple songs which we'll get into, which are a little bit of a throwback to kind of surfy California garage rock, which I love, but uh, but they're not the most progressive part of the album. But there are progressive parts on, on this album, and then we're going to have a real debate about what the greatest, maybe, last song on a 67 album is. And, and that's actually where, to me, there's the most legit battle going on here. But for the most part, in terms of this album, to me, this album is like Sgt. Pepper, despite its production um, advancements, from a musical standpoint, I think this is more innovative. And I think also you could say the same with us, um, Piper of the Gates of Dawn and Are You Experienced? Those three albums, I think, are all more progressive than Sgt. Pepper. It, 
if we're talking just the music. Like, I'm saying a lot of Sgt. Pepper calls back, like, cabaret music and old-timey stuff. Like, yeah, there is some modern psychedelic stuff, uh, like Lucy in the Sky and stuff, but I just feel like this album sounds like it influenced more bands. Like, I hear New Wave and The Cars and Devo and all those kind of bands sound like they were digging this album more than Sgt. Pepper. I mean, I just, this album is very, very innovative. Well, and it inspired it's, Paul McCartney. Yeah, I mean, and the, yeah, the Beatles themselves dug it and like the Doors. And they, I, yeah. They what said were, they claimed that this, they wanted to capitalize on the Doors musical style as one of their alter egos of the group for their upcoming Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album. So there you go. So influencing yeah. the Beatles. Yeah, this is the thing. This, this album was like a fucking shotgun blast in 1967. And... We'll talk about the well, and remind me when we get to light my fire to talk about how ingenious the fact that they could have such an innovative, subversive record and still have one of the catchiest pop radio hits of all time at the <laughs> same time, which in a way makes them even more subversive. But it's like the ultimate Trojan, uh, you know, uh, Trojan horse album. Like this is punk and metal and prog rock and everything kind of from a from a kind of philosophical standpoint not you know you know from a standpoint than anything else to me this is one of the most important albums of the of the 20th century and it's not even one of my favorite doors albums but it's definitely the most important album they ever recorded in my opinion and it's a revolutionary album and i think it's marginalized now i don't think people realize that in 67 people give me a song like the end no one heard anything or break i'll break on through the first song no one heard anything that sounded like break on through no nothing like that it's totally it's a it's it's very very innovative and the way the whole thing the band everything well let's just fucking get into it yeah so what, what do you think about break on through to the other side <laughs> which one break on through. <laughs> hey, no i'm talking about who are you talking to first you, you. Are, you're, you're oh, <laughs> okay stop yeah, break- in the booze <laughs> yeah <laughs> Break on through to the other side, man. This is fucking jazzy fucking drumming here by Dinsmore. It's just like, it's just got that fucking ear candy. It's like, and a fucking baritone voice, you know what the dude destroys the night. And he fucking just rocks with the music, and the music just follows Jim down this fucking rabbit hole of a fucking great song. I love it. Awesome. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh, son of a bitch, this song fucking rules. Holy shit. And I don't care how overplayed it is, it still fucking rules every time I fucking hear it, man. Uh, this is the song, man. I remember singing it on karaoke, and I was like, the first time I had the balls to sing in front of people. You know, granted, it helped to add a couple beers in me, but holy shit, man. I sang this song in front of people, and like, I got that reaction, all these hot girls, you know, watching me like, oh my god, you know, like, he can sing just like Jim Morrison, I was like, that, that gave me that fucking rush, like, fuck yeah, this is what I want to do, I want to be a fucking singer and get chicks and party, you know, this song fucking rules, it really, like, it broke me on through to the other side from being that shy kid in middle school to helping me transition that rebellious, you know, fucking badass that I became, you know, in high school, I fucking dig this song, man. Never gets fucking old. Uh, I love the original lyrics where Jim Morrison says, She get high, 
You know, they edited that out for the uh, when they originally released it, but recently they put out the version where he says she get high instead of him just going like she get, yeah, she get, you know. Yeah, I, I remember fucking, the old, the old versions I had. I'm sure it's the same Fark was always yeah. the she get. Yeah, and, even yeah. as you, it was funny too. Is when I did uh when I did that night at karaoke at the family friend's house. Um, no one like a lot of people were used to the original version that they heard on the radio. Or the CDs that they had. So when I was saying she get high, they're all kind of thrown off. They're like, "What? Why does he keep saying that?" You know, because they weren't used to it. But man, this one fucking rules, man. And uh, it's one that never gets old. I never get burnt out on it because it's just a classic. When I hear that opening, like you know, little hi hat, you know, thing that John Densmore is doing, I just get pumped up. I gotta crank up the volume. The song fucking rules. There's a reason it's played all the time because it's a kick-ass song. What do you think of it, Edwin? Of course, it's a masterpiece. I love it. It's one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever written. It's only two minutes and twenty five fucking seconds, and oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a take re- notes, Iron Maiden. You don't need a <laughs> fucking, fucking <laughs> minutes. It's a revolution. Hey, they this do is, an Iron Maiden on this album later, so shut up. It did influence, yeah, Iron Maiden shit like that. But and this kind of influenced shit like everyone from the you know fucking Black Sabbath to the Ramones. Think mm-hmm. too, I, I finally for the first time. Uh, just like two years ago got the mono edition of this on vinyl you know for years I'd only heard the stereo mix and when it's kind of like the Beatles too on mono when you hear the doors of mono they sound heavier you know mono is kind of more concentrated sounding so the guitar so that's the thing the the jazziness comes out more in the stereo version but when you listen to the mono version it's like Robbie Krieger's like distorted fuzzy guitar kind of hits you harder and it sounds like proto metal, like yeah. you know. Yeah, it has a. This is like a, almost a damn like you know for for this time. This is That's a damn near a fucking metal song. For '67, it's like a proto metal song. Like yeah, it has a bossa nova beat, you know, and <laughs> it has a jazziness to it. But if you listen to that guitar, especially the mono version, you listen to that guitar and the way Jim's sing- screaming and stuff. This you know this this what communication breakdown would be in like you know. Two in uh, in two years, you know. Yeah, this was in '67. You know, and dude, Jim could fucking scream his ass off, oh, man. Yeah. Like he, like I said, that Ed Sullivan. When I saw the Ed Sullivan clip of them doing "Light My Fire," like he screams his ass off, and it's like some heavy metal type screaming. Oh yeah, no, thing and like the, the his hair length and the, his the yeah. leather pants, it's all there in '67. Like that's boom. That's that's the that's the blueprint. The blueprint of every fucking metal and hard rock singer is right there, you know? Even Bon Scott, Robert Plant, all these guys. Before that, Ozzy, Jim Morrison was the first. Yeah. First crazy guy in leather, long hair, thrashing about, screaming on stage. No one else was like that. No one else. And it's a, and he put it across live. Like, he's amazing in that Ed Sullivan performance. Like, he oh, sounds better than, than on the album, I think. Like, you know, and he got better as a singer. That's the thing, too. I think of every album he got better. Well, I mean, Soft Parade, he's all fucked up, so he's kind of worse on that album. <laughs> although, <laughs> although I love it. But then on Morrison Hotel and L.A. Woman, I think he took his vocals to a whole other level. I mean, Morrison he's a, Hotel, my Yeah, he's amazing, amazing singer. And an amazing song, and it's a revolution. And then we get to Soul Kitchen. What do you think of Soul Kitchen, Mark Taylor? Well, nobody... Uh, Said there's no bass player on this album, man. Ray Manzarek is doing all those bass lines on his fucking organ. Yeah. How amazing yeah. is that? 
It's yeah. like you hear break on through going boom, 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 boom. It's a fucking organ. It ain't a bass. They didn't yeah. get a bassist to LA Woman. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a, he's so amazing. You'd like uh, you'd be doing the organ part with one hand, and on the top part, he had like another kind of piano it thing was a, that was playing the bass lines. It was specifically a Fender keyboard that was all bottom. It was a uh, I forget the exact model it was, but it's like kind of like a an electric piano, um, but it's bass heavy. So it's a specific instrument that he was using that he would put on top. You see it in live performances. And they just, you know, did, did the same thing live in the studio. But he has it on top of his organ. So he's got the organ with one hand, and then he's got this Fender keyboard kind of bass with his other hand. It's amazing. Yeah, Raymond say it. Well, let's just say, I guess this is a good time to just talk about the doors because we gushed about Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. These guys, these fucking guys. They are three of the best musicians that have ever been in a rock band. And obviously, Raven's Eric, he's classically trained. And Robbie Krieger was a flamenco guitar player. And John Densmore was a jazz guy. And, hey, nothing against, you know, I love Bill Ward's one of my favorite drummers. And uh, I like Keith Moon a lot. And, you know, they were both jazzy at times and could get jazzy. But John Densmore is really a jazz drummer. Like, he's he's, he's a flat-out jazz drummer in a rock band. And he's doing all this interesting stuff. And we talk about swing. We talk about how, like, yeah, like, Peter Chris has, like, more swing than Air Carr or something like that, you know? And because there was a little bit of a jazz influence. Like, even, like, uh, Peter Chris liked, uh, like, you know, he, he liked some jazz music. Like, swing, big band kind of shit. So... But John Densmore's like playing, like he plays jazz like he could actually be in a legit jazz band. Like he could play Miles Davis or John Coltrane. Like this guy is so good. The kind of stuff that he's doing, and especially when you watch them live, I mean, I don't know, I feel like they're all unsung, the three musicians in the doors, but I kind of feel like John Densmore's the most unsung. He's amazing, and it's just so unique what he's doing because you never heard, um, uh, like, they, just such a swing in the music in this kind of music and he especially there's a spoken word stuff like you would hear especially like in like uh, the next album like when, when the music's over like John Densmore is like riffing with Jim Morrison you know like he's doing yeah. these drum solos and stuff and it's just amazing but then again fucking Robbie Krieger an amazing guitarist and we're going to talk about Robbie's songwriting when we get to uh, the big song uh, but <laughs> amazing songwriter amazing guitarist just used his fingers you know he picked the instrument played in a very unique way it's a great amazing slide bo bottle slide player he can do it all he can play rock he can play blues he can play jazz he can play flamenco guitar he's an amazing guitarist and then you got Raven there this amazing guy you could play uh, amazing jazz and classical rock blues can do it all these, these this is a top-notch musical force playing and Jim Morrison to his credit and pro probably because he was a genius and he was a smart guy you know he very early on did have offers to be a solo artist you know between his looks and how much women loved him and his voice you know he, at any point especially after light my fire at any point people would have gave Jim Morrison a solo record deal you know, and he could have had a team of people writing hit songs. But he knew, God damn it, I got this kid Robbie Krieger that can write me hit songs. And this band is making me so awesome. Like, I have such a great band underneath me that can do anything. Any kind of music I want to do, these motherfuckers can do. So why the fuck would I leave these guys? 
you know? So he never yeah. left them because he knew he was a smart guy and he wasn't ego-driven like a lot of other singers. Like, hey, listen, as much as I love David Lee Roth, ego, you know? Hey, yeah. I'm I'm bigger than Van Halen. I can leave, fuck off and do my own thing. And it was, hey, it was great for an album, but, you know... Two. But, yeah, an <laughs> album or two. But, you know, you know, ultimately, that's the thing. These Some... Jim Morrison knew as awesome as he was, he wouldn't be as awesome without the Doors backing him up. And to his credit, even when they had some musical differences, like with the Soft Parade, he still wrote it out with them, and he wrote it out until they got back to Morrison Hotel in L.A. LA Woman, you know? So Jim Morrison knew that he was in one of the best bands ever. And they knew it too. That's the thing. These guys knew it. And they're kind of like Led Zeppelin. They're one of these bands where... You know, Jim gets all the glory, but you can't remove one element from this band. You know, I think the original Sabbath lineup is like that, too. I say Sabbath is like that, and Led Zeppelin's like that, where if you remove one element, it's not the same band. Yeah, they all, to bring Stuart Copeland in on drums. That didn't work. It's not good. Yeah, you just you can't. As great as Stuart Copeland is, there's just some magic, like Zeppelin and Sabbath, there's something about the doors, where, and I don't even think the Beatles are like this, to be honest, as great as, as much as I love Ringo, and I think George is a great player, I think any band that Lennon McCartney were in would have been the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I, just, I think they might have been a different kind of Beatles, but that Lennon McCartney songwriting team, no matter what band they were in, was going to fucking change the world. That's my opinion. I think the but then you lo- you don't have the amazing sitar music of George. Oh Madison. my god, you want to set me off, don't you, man? This, I, is, and, like, and, this and, is like Bon Jovi to Lee. You know, <laughs> even the Stones. You know, Stones definitely. They were, you know, it, you know. Ultimately, yeah, Keith, Charlie Watts, and Mick are the three guys that needed to be in the band. But you know, obviously, they didn't need Brian Jones in the long run, even though he was very early on in the beginning. And how Keith ended up playing most of the bass lines on their album. So you know, but the Doors—you cannot have a Doors album. And they tried it, and they failed without Jim. You know, you—you you need these four men. The Doors are these four guys. There's something magical to happen. And Jim Morrison is awesome and as revolutionary as he is. The Doors gave him that. They gave him the stage to perform on. You know, they're that backbone. If he didn't have that music, he couldn't become the Lizard King and vice yeah. versa. You know, and so, so that all being said, now that I've said my piece about these amazing musicians and that awesome bass line <laughs> that Raven's Eric's laying down, what do you think of fucking uh, Soul Kitchen? Soul Kitchen. Mark. Oh, man. Uh- yeah, I was talking about it, but you went on that big long <laughs> rant. So I just let you go because it's awesome. Yeah, hey, but, uh, hey, hey, Jim Morrison, it's your show, on. not mine. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, your uh, All right, Soul Kitchen, man. This is a fucking great song. It's just like he could do his like, like low and he get up fucking high. Let me sleep all night. You know, it's like fucking what range this guy had. It's just like an amazing fucking groove into the song. It's like like in their type, but that's the Doors L.A. Blues right there, and it fucking rules. Awesome. What do you think, Eric? Oh, God, this song is fucking sexy. Holy shit. Just that opening, love that keyboard. Oh, this song is just sexy. This is, you want, you know, you're having trouble in your love life. This is, put this song on, your fucking woman will have sex with you, and you'll have some good fucking sex amazing fucking song and 
uh, Mark, like you said, man, you got both sides of Jim's voice. You got that baritone, like, deep, like, bluesy, like, soulful kind of voice. But then you get that crazy wild man, like, screaming and whatnot. Oh, just fucking amazing. And uh, Raymond Zarek, man, really shines on this uh, with his uh, organ playing. And this song actually does have a bass player on it. Um, what's his name? Uh, Larry Knutshell or something. He plays bass on this song. So this one does have an actual bass player on it. But, man, what a phenomenal song. I remember, too, there's a funny thing about this song where, you know, my friend Nick Mills, he had just gotten an apartment. It was his first time living on his own, you know, and, uh, you know, we're setting up. Or it was him, his friend, and, like, this chick he was, like, kind of involved with. They got an apartment, and so we're decorating it with, like, all this cool, like, shit, because we're in our early 20s, so we're decorating it with, like, weed posters and, like, all this cool shit, and we had a Doors poster with Jim Morrison on it, and we're like, where the fuck do we put the poster? I'm like, put it in the fucking kitchen, and he's like, why? Because it's a fucking soul kitchen, motherfucker. <laughs> I love oh, it. man. Awesome. And then that I... poster saw some shit in that kitchen, because, oh, man, we had some parties and some ragers <laughs> in that fucking apartment, man. What, what, what Doors poster did, was it? Man, I don't even remember, but I think it was some kind of, like, trippy-looking psychedelic poster with Jim in the pose, doing the pose. Because I, I, ha- I had a pose. Was it, it was, like, a brownish light? color, too. I had a poster, my Jim Morrison poster that I had. Uh, and I had, a I had a Jim Morrison poster, too. Yeah, yeah. well, A, I had two, actually. I had the, the movie poster, which I oh, got so from... Oh, you're a, more hardcore than I was. Oh, uh, I, I got the movie poster from a local video store. I still have one. It's not the original one I had, but I have one in my Florida place. But I had a, nice. uh, I have a, I used to have a big movie poster that I got from a video store. But yeah. on top of my ceiling, I put it on my ceiling in my room. What so the I fuck? Could, yeah, I had it in the jerking ceiling. off to it? <laughs> I was jerking off. Hey, 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 hey. if I did something like that, it'd be, uh, Jim Morrison would be the first guy I would, too. But I wasn't, <laughs> but, but it wasn't my bag, so no. At least you're not me. Dieter from Sprockets. Yeah, you'd be fine. I, I don't kill <laughs> Whatever gets you through the night, my friend. But, but it was just stuff. No, it was inspiration. He's like my spirit animal. That's why I'm gushing so much about Jim Morrison. He's my fucking spirit animal. So, no, I had this fucking uh, ceiling. It was a big trippy kind of poster. That's why. It was like a trippy poster. And yeah. it has the classic pose. I got it in some fucking uh, New Jersey Wildwood boardwalk uh, <laughs> like head shop. And it says no one here gets out alive. But what I love about it, it shows, it's like an artistic drawing of it. It's like a a painting of that pose. But Jim Morrison's lips are uh, the American flag. (laughs) And it's over over a stormy ocean. (laughs) And it says no one here gets out alive. Oh, shit. And it was big. It was actually too big for uh, anything but my ceiling. So uh, it pretty much covered my whole ceiling. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Because, Eric, you're not the only guy who got laid because of your Jim Morrison worship. The girls, especially when I got into high school. I was getting laid in junior high. But in high school, I did start getting laid. And it was largely because of that man, Jim Morrison. Because, you know, I grew my hair long. I had kind of shaggy Jim hair. I sang yeah. and and you take them back to your your room, you know, you know, and you play the music loud so your parents don't hear. And you play some Jim Morrison, and you get them in the bed. And let me just tell you, you break on through to the other side. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, break on through the other <laughs> I bet side. You did. Pussy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's I fuck yeah. How can I not love it's Soul Kitchen? It's a sexy fucking song. 
Also, Jim Morrison, and I'll try not to gush too much about this, but also a very underrated lyricist. I know nowadays it's fashionable to kind of mock his lyrics or think he was pretentious, but man, you know, sometimes, some to me, pretentious is a word that gets misused. Pretentious means it's a pretense, like you're trying to pull something off and you don't do it. Like you're trying to be smart, but you just come off as stupid, you know? And Jim Morrison pulled it off because he was really smart and he was writing shit that was like poetry. It was poetry. You know, no one was writing lyrics like this. This is, you know, and like, I just, I love the lyric, um, speak in secret alphabets. I light another cigarette. Learn to forget. Learn to forget. That's amazing. You know, the, the way he utilized words, it's poetry. And there's such atmosphere to not just his singing, but the words. And there's you know, a couple other songs, too, on this album where I'll talk about the lyrics. Oh, and, okay. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially when we get to the last one. But, <laughs> but, I mean, oh, man. But, man, no, I mean, listen, as great as... And John Lennon was... He was up there. He's close. And I think John Lennon... I think... I love Dylan. I think Dylan's a little overrated as a lyricist. But oh, he's, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer both. John Lennon and Jim Morrison to uh, Dylan's lyrics. And John was close. He was getting there. You know, he was getting there. I think, like you said, uh, Mark, that, you know, McCartney said that Doors influenced him. You know, you know what happened? Like, they were in the studio finishing up Sgt. Pepper when this album came out. And then this album was already out, you know, for a couple months before I Am The Wars dropped. And let me tell you something. You listen to I Am The Wars, it sounds like John Lennon was definitely taking a cue from, uh, from, from Jim, you know, he, the level of absurdity, and he was kind of moving in that direction, but it, it he took it to yet another level, you know, and I think stuff like I'm the Wars and Happiness is a Warm Gun and Come Together and all those amazing lyrics, uh, you know, Jim Morrison was writing shit like that first, you know, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison is really one of the first truly full-out existential rock lyricists, and again, under, under not appreciated enough I think these days as a lyricist it's amazing I, it'll come back around it always does man every 10 years you'll have a Doors phenomenon again yeah. good music does that yeah you're right I agree so uh Mark what do you think of the crystal ship like you're talking about lyrics yeah <laughs> well, this song starts off with fucking a mind fuck yeah. before you slip into unconsciousness I'd like to have another kiss another Flashing chants at bliss, another kiss, another kiss. The days are bright and filled with pain. Enclose me in your gentle rain. As time, the time you ran was too insane. We'll meet again. We'll meet. The fucking great fucking lyrics right here, man. Yeah. You put on headphones to this song. Fucking smoke a big doobie, and dude, you're melting <laughs> into your fucking couch. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fucking great song, man. Yeah. This song makes me melt in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, what do you think, Eric? I know we're all going to love this song. But oh, think fuck yeah. This song fucking rules. This is just, you know, it's, you got kind of two more kind of rocking songs. This one's just so mellow. This is a song, man. I have a fucking joint. Put on some headphones and just listen to this shit, man. It'll just send you on. You, you will be sailing on a crystal ship when listening to this. Holy shit. The way Morrison sings it, man. That baritone voice and... You know, a lot of people say he's not really that great of a singer. Man, fuck you. It's much like Daily Roth. He doesn't got a great traditional singing voice, but man, he can just, he can deliver a song, especially on this one. You know, it's so beautiful. He's got just that haunting, like, voice, man. Just, 
oh, this song is fucking beautiful. Made out with plenty of chicks back in you know high school, middle school with this fucking song, man. This is a mood setter, man. If you're with your girl, holy shit, I love Crystal Ship. Well, it's like if you're David Lee Roth or Jim Morris and you fucking the panties get dropped. So oh man, they're a bad singer, dude. If you play them to drop their panties for you, that's a fucking great singer right there. Dude, yeah. if you play this song and there's girls around, like, you need to break out wet floor signs, so that floor is going to be dripping wet. Holy shit. Don't forget shit. Barry White either, man. <laughs> oh, man, Barry White. Amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing song. I love it, and not only do I love it, it's my favorite song on the album. Oh, fuck go. yeah. Yeah, my favorite song on the album, and a top five door song for me. It's one of my favorite door songs. Uh, it's like Mark was saying, those lyrics. I mean, these lyrics, they are poetry. Like, they could stand on their own. But, you know, even, but then with the music, oh my God. And Morrison singing. People, you know, like I said, if I think there's certain people that, and I, I said this in my David Lee Roth video I did on YouTube, is like people's idea of range, it's, it's like they think about, especially a lot of metalheads. They think about it in terms of like how high you can get, or they they don't think yeah. of rain, like there's also how low you can get, how nuanced you can get, like the That's atmosphere, hard, man. Personality, personality, because personality, per- all these yeah, guys pers- could sing yeah. high, but did they have personality to yeah. pull off the song? And half yeah. of them don't have yeah, the personality. Yeah, yeah I want to listen it, to fucking Jim Gillette from Nitro, like. Like, I'm oh, yeah, I love Poison, but fucking Brett Michaels, the reason he pulls it off is because he does have some personality. Like, <laughs> no, Brett Michaels just does weird sound effects with his voice, like, <laughs> But it's also, it's like acting. Like, you could get some Shakespearean actor who's a great thespian and hits his mark all the time, but then a guy like Jack Nicholson just walks in and he's just fucking Jack. You know yeah, what I mean? That. You know, that's the thing. That's charisma. There's something else. You know, when you can channel charisma into a forceful expression of art, <laughs> that's what Jim Morrison's doing. Man, every line, every word that comes out of this guy's mouth commands you, takes over the room. That's, you know, range. Plus, this is a guy that could sing a song like Break On Through and then sing a song like Crystal Ship. That's fucking range, you know. I like, you know, most of these guys that, you know, they might be able to hit some really high notes, but tell them to sing Crystal Ship and sing it in a way that makes a woman want to drop her panties. You know, that's, you know, that's the thing, you know, and that's the thing. Jim Morrison was, he he liked rock and roll, he loved Elvis, but he also loved Frank Sinatra. You know, he's, he was, he loved that stuff. Oh, and he's a crooner, man. He was, he was, a, a he was like a rock and roll crooner. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, that, and that's why I said a lot of people think it's crazy because I love the Soft Parade, but, I didn't, uh, but uh, it's my favorite Doors album. But It reminds but, me more of <laughs> Dean Martin, Nate. But that, yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, I, like they say, how can like Sgt. Pepper be your least favorite Beatles album, but uh, Soft Parade's your favorite Doors album? Because a lot of people <laughs> think of that as the Sgt. Pepper, the you know, the doors. But it's really not. The difference is that Sgt. Pepper is the Beatles go to Broadway and uh, Soft Parade is the doors go to Vegas. Yeah. And there's there's a difference between, between Vegas and Broadway. Vegas is jazzy. It's different. And I, I don't like Broadway. It's just my taste. You know, that's all. I'm just not into Broadway and musicals. I don't like it. But I love jazz. I am a jazz guy. I like jazz. I like crooning. So in addition to rock and roll. So I like the fact, I love Frank Sinatra. So I like that 
the doors have that other side as well you know to me they're hitting a lot of things i love because i love rock and roll i love blues i love jazz and it's all over this album and in a very organic way too like you don't think about it it's just the doors the crystal ship is just a door song no other band could have a song that sounds yeah. like this fucking song and it's also it's my main song i i sing and there's some women who've lived oh. in the past <laughs> no 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 not quite where you're thinking but it, it's it's actually the my drunken walking home from a bar song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I'm drunk and I'm walking home, sometimes on my own, sometimes with a lady, I'm walking. Uh, I'm walking home. I I sing this song. This is a song I sing. It's kind of my going home song. <laughs> it is a good going home song. It's like man. the show me the way to go home. It's just the song that I instinctively always sing when I'm pretty fucking, you know, it, you know, when I've tied one, you know, over and I'm going home and I'm staggering home. I'm always singing the crystal ship. It's and he's walking <laughs> home because he's responsible. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, or yeah, that's I don't drive drunk. Don't drive drunk, kids. Not cool. Uh, not it's cool, cool to get. Man. It's cool to get drunk and yeah, get drunk all you want, get plastered, but just don't drive. Yeah, get don't into drive. a walk or get into an Uber or what? The coolest thing is to have a woman drive you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Snort, I, I yeah. snort my booze at home, not on the road. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The Crystal Ship, an amazing song to sing while you're walking home drunk. I can't think of that song without thinking about that. And I've had many great nights because, you know, drinking is always an existential act. You go out there, you don't know what's going to happen. You might drink to the point where you end up someplace you shouldn't be. But if you play your cards right and you're smart, you end up just walking home and you survived it. And it's great. And the victory song is the fucking Crystal Ship. I fucking love this song. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. And if you don't like the Crystal Ship, there's something fucking demented and perverted about you. And I don't want to know you. So what do you think of 20, 20th Century Fox, Mark? And that's the song, not the uh, the company that Disney bought. <laughs> well, I just want to say, Dr. Fuck loves it when I say fucking fuck you if you don't like what I like. You know what? Fuck you if you don't like the doors. Yeah. He always yeah. says, I like it when you get really drunk, Mark, and you just tell everybody to fuck off. <laughs> I did too. I, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, my favorite videos of yours, as you know, uh, is when you just get fucking totally shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember, we did a video where we did our top five, top ten movies, and Mark was so plastered at the end of it, he just kept going on this rant about, I fucking love Back to the Future. If you don't like it, fuck you. This week, the motherfucker was in tears, and his wife's coming in the door like, what the fuck's wrong with you? He's right fucking Back to the Future. It's awesome. The whole Dude, trilogy you know, is awesome. I would cry tears of joy in a drunken state over that movie. I fucking love it. Now, if you don't like the Back to the Future trilogy, you're fucking wrong, too. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. It's literally science. Doc Brown. It's fucking science. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, fucking... 20th Century Fox, Mark. Come on. This fucking... 20th Century Fox. This fucking song is fucking hard rock, man. Jesus. 20th Century Fox. You know, I could hear fucking Overkill do a version of this song. Yeah. That'd fucking oh, cool. that'd be cool. That'd be yeah, sick. They should do a fucking cover of this, man. Fucking Bobby Blitz, if you're listening to this, take that suggestion. Yeah, like, this song rules. I fucking love it. I, it's just, this is a song that plays in your car. You just hit repeat. I love it. Yeah, Eric, you. 
Oh, fuck. This is my favorite fucking song off the album. Holy shit, this is rules. This is, like, the ultimate, like, you know... I've serenaded some bitches to this song. She's the queen of cool. And she's the lady who will. Oh, God, that song fucking rules. I fucking love this, man. Favorite song off the album. You know, just, you know, musically, lyrically... Vocally, everything just clicks on this one. This is probably like up there is one of my top five favorite Doors songs of all time. It's simple. It's two minutes and thirty seconds, but it says a whole lot in those two minutes. It's so infectious. It's you know, it's like bubble gum. It's sweet to the taste. It's you know, easy to chew on. Holy fucking shit, I love it. I, you know, I, I really can't say much about it because it's so perfect. You know, so Edwin, yeah. why don't you take it away? Yeah, it's a great song, like you guys say. You know, the thing is, all these songs, until we get to, like, uh, like the two songs that end the two sides, uh, there's, there's two epics. There's two epics on this album. But all the other songs are really short. They're, you know, two yep. or three three minutes long. and But they don't feel that way. Like, they feel like, in a good sense, like little mini epic pop rock songs, you know? And they just show you, like, how you can just go in and out of Dodge. You don't have to, you know, you can make an impression and then... Let's get to the next fucking song, you know? It's great. And 20th Century Fox, I recall this. This is one of those songs, I think it's uh, like Peace Frog from Morrison Hotel. Oh, where it's, it, yeah, it's a song I noticed where I'd say it's kind of a popular D track, you know, yeah. like over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd say 20th Century Fox is is probably the most popular deep track from this album. It's a deep track that became a, a greatest hit. Yeah, it eventually, like Peace Frog, like if they make modern greatest hits of the Doors, 20th Century Fox and Peace Frog would both be on them. But when I me Mark McGill would be on there too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but when you and Mark, when me and Mark, the older guys here, were first getting into the Doors, like they wouldn't have made the greatest hits, you know. No. But they, but when you listen to the albums, this was one of the songs that I remember thinking, "Wow, this song's really catchy," you know. And it, it was it's a great song. It's really catchy. Like I'm actually surprised. Like I feel like the Doors could have had more more hit singles. Like I feel like. They could have released. They only released uh, two. Yeah, they only released two songs from this album, and to me, there's like, like this could have been like a modern day like hysteria or yeah. thriller, where like yeah, damn near it's every like song's a single. Greatest hit I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking one, two, three, wait, hold on, four, five, six, seven. I think there's like eight songs that could have been singles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the other two songs are all right, but uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. There's like eight songs that to me could have been singles. So it's we uh, fucking crazy. This is like kind of like the first Cars album. Um, oh yeah, I love that first Cars album. We gotta do that because that's come up now in like two episodes that we've yeah, done. Well, Cars, dude. Do if you guys do the Cars and I'm not on there, I'm gonna be fucking. Pissed. All right, you got it, Mark. You that's need to be on there. Then I need yeah. to be on the Cars because this that's is what, what we're gonna do, Mark. Man. In the middle of the summer good time to do a chorus uh, in the middle of summer you'll come back that's the one you'll come back for we're gonna do the fucking fast times of Richmond high cars episode fuck <laughs> yeah we're gonna get our fucking moving in stereo on it's gonna be oh, awesome Phoebe Cates we're gonna try and get Phoebe Cates on the fucking <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get Phoebe on yeah, Kevin, yeah, Klein, yeah. Kevin Klein will let her act I don't yeah, know we'll, 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 we'll yeah, fuck we'll, Kevin Klein I'll kick his ass <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, 20th Century Fox is awesome, but then we got to another song 
God damn it. Like I, another song that sounds like it could have been a single. And of course, it's a classic now. I mean, that's the thing. This is like the Cars first album. It's even though a lot of these songs weren't singles, I don't consider them D tracks because they were played a lot in classic rock radio. Half this oh, album yeah. played on classic rock radio. And this was one I remember hearing on classic rock radio all the time. And it's talk about drinking song. Fucking oh, Alabama song. In parentheses, one of the few times I don't mind parentheses is in door songs. <laughs> whiskey <laughs> bar. Fucking whiskey bar. You go, Mark, because you're the guy who snorts whiskey. So what's your oh, yeah. fucking well, Alabama this, song? This is the traditional drinking song, man, written by uh, some yeah, other a, dudes. Yeah, it's a cover. Yeah, it's a fucking dude. This is like when I first heard this song. Show me the way to the next little girl. And his voice goes... Oh, don't ask why. And then it goes, do, 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 do. Then it goes, moon of Alabama. I go, oh my God, this song is tripping me out. I'm fucking, <laughs> am I stoned or drunk? What's going on? This song was taking me on a trip. And this is another headphone song on this one. You need to get totally plastered and just sit in a fucking recliner and recline and, and just play this a million times. This song rules. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna jump in here before you, Eric, because this oh, is the, okay. it, it, this is actually from an opera. It's it's called "The Rise and Fall of the City of Mahogany." Uh, <laughs> yes, it's from the night. Mahogany. Yes, it was. Uh, so it's this uh, German. It's a German opera written in the 1930s. So this is like fucking Nazi shit. Just oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I know how to drink. Just so, for the record, on. we do not support Nazis. We fucking we, hate oh, them. Fuck we we do not support Nazis. If you're a fuck Nazi, you, I will literally kick you right up your urethra. Yeah. But yeah, just we ask, just ask Terrence about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, we, but we do support whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, whiskeys so, were harmed during the uh, making of this show. So Raymond's there, because so Raymond's Eric's the guy who knows about like classical music and fucking operas and those kind of fancy things. So he and and like how off the out of the box is this, you know? He suggests, hey, there's this cool little melody in this opera, and then they go and take it and they turn it totally into their their own thing, you know? That's it's like hard to think of this as a cover because it's so original and so unique, and especially coming from an opera. I mean, obviously, the original opera version does not sound like this. It and, turned it into blues. Yes, like, but with kind of a carnival kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's a great drinking song. It's awesome. It's one of, you know, it's amazing. Like, and you go, like, this was not a single, like, in 67. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's so catchy. And it's it's an amazing song. And I love it, and it's you know it's not even one of my favorite songs on the album, but goddamn it, I love it, and it's like the ultimate fucking German drinking song. What do you think of it, Eric Jordan? Oh man, so you know this is one of those songs like when I was a Doors fan, uh, when I was really big into a you know I'm still a Doors fan, but I mean when I was really big into the Doors, I didn't like this song at first. I thought it was hokey and stupid. And uh, all I could picture was a bunch of fucking German guys in their stupid suspenders and their goofy hats <laughs> doing, like, a fucking their stupid dance or doobie do or whatever. I thought, this song is fucking hokey. It's stupid. But then, years later, me and my friends are drinking, like, in my buddy's garage. And we're drunk as shit. And this song comes on, like, on shuffle or whatever. And we're drunk as fuck and just joyfully singing this fucking song all obnoxiously. And it just clicked. I'm like, this is a fucking drinking song. 
If you're sober and you're just driving around listening to us, it's a stupid song. But when you're drunk with your buddies having the time of your life and singing along to it, it's the greatest song ever. So this is definitely a song. I, I love it, but I got to be in the mood for it. I got to be drunk as shit with some good friends listening to it for me to fully, fully understand the magic of it. So fuck yeah, Alabama song. If I'm, I'm drunk off my ass with my friends, fuck yeah. This is a great fucking song. All right, so uh, I'm gonna let you go first, Mark, because you're our guest. That's why I always yeah. go to you first. But here's the and I'm gonna take one. a piss. You piss while we get to the, <laughs> the the big hit on the album, "Light My Fire." Yeah, and Jim Morrison, what he got pissed because they uh, sold it to a car company, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, they well, that, that that's one thing. The movie uh, took one liberty there. It's a little one liberty there. Uh, yeah, uh, they did, but it never actually aired. They kind of oh, make yeah, up cool. this commercial. I understand why, because cinematically, you want to kind of see it, not just talk about it, you know? So, And then you could throw a TV and stuff. So it's a little more cinematic. In reality, um, it, Jim, uh, I forget where he was. He was in another country, and he was, like, getting fucked up or something. And, and Ray and Robbie and John did sell the song to a commercial without getting his permission. But when Jim came back, it was, he kind of saved it in time. It was before it actually aired. Jim went and kiboshed the deal. He was like, no fucking way. No fucking way. The doors aren't for sale. So they actually pulled it before they actually aired the commercial. So it never actually happened. So uh, that's why you can't, if you go on YouTube, you're, you're not going to find it unless they show clips from like the movie. They, the, Jim actually stopped it before they uh, put it out there. But they tried. Yeah, that's Rick, cool, man. Yeah, Ray, yeah. Robbie, Ray, Robbie, and John did try to sell out, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but the reality is that Jim actually stopped him in time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, because he didn't fucking sell out. That's why uh, I'm going to talk about this at the end. But I saw, I watched that newer uh, documentary, "People Are Strange," uh, on the Amazon Prime. I've never seen out. that. Yeah, the last the last line of it is uh, narrated by Johnny Depp of all people. We're not gonna go there. But yeah, <laughs> Johnny, that's an episode in itself. But Johnny Depp at the end says, "And to this day, the doors the you still don't hear their music in a car commercial." And that's the last line. It's a great last line. And that's the thing. So that's the one thing that the movie kind of fudged a little bit. But no, Jim saved that song from being used in a commercial. And so there's a purity. You won't hear the fucking doors being sold. You know, that's the thing is Ray, to Ray and Robbie and John's credit, they they kind of, afterwards, after Jim died, they could have went in the other direction. They could have totally sold all that shit and been cunts, you know. But, but <laughs> they, they actually respected Jim as a wise man, this wise shaman that kind of showed them the way. And they were like, you know what, Jim was right. Let's, let's keep this shit pure. Let's, let's, let's not sell out. Let's not do that. Like we, that was our knee-jerk instinct. Like, ooh, that's a lot of money. But then we decided, no, let's let's not do this. So to this day, they, you know, Robbie and John are still alive, and they have not sold the doors to commercials yet. You know, yeah, well, they were in uh, Breakdown Through was in the Monsters Inc. commercial. That's it. That's not. That's that's, that's a movie. A movie. A yeah. Movie. Yeah, that's a really fuck. That was a great yeah. movie. I heard that commercial yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I was like, that's, fuck yeah, break on through as a little kid, you know. Yeah, that's a little different. I think so. Obviously, yeah, they're fine selling to movies, but I'm sure they see that as an extension of something creative or art or yeah. You know, they, it's not a it's, fucking car commercial. Not car commercial. Like Led Zeppelin with GM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or with Puff Daddy. Oh, I, I, I can never forgive Jane Cage for that I shit. Love, 
I know. I love Jimmy and I love Led Zeppelin, but yeah, that shit's this. You're taking down away the mystique of Led Zeppelin. You should keep the music pure. Don't do that. It's fucking yeah. art. That's not Jim Morrison. Again, first artist that really took a stand for that kind of shit, you know? And this song, as commercialized as it is, as commercial as it is, Jim Morrison, and even though Jim Morrison by 68 never wanted to sing this song ever again live, uh. even though that was the case, he still didn't want to sell to a commercial. You know, he still wanted that it was still a piece of art and he took seriously, even if he was burned out on it, you know. Uh, but anyway, so Mark, what do you think of this song, just as a song, Light My Fire? Light My Fire is freaking amazing. The freaking, you get those keyboards in the middle, it starts it off, and then freaking, it just went, uh, well, you know, he did, he, he went higher in the movie, you know, about the yeah. Ed Sullivan, where. He said, "Baby, can we get much better than this, or whatever?" <laughs> you know, he, he just maybe <laughs> could camera. you bite my can you bite my wire? <laughs> <laughs> bite my wire. <laughs> uh, Jim, Jim Morrison, man, like uh, back in his time, he did so many things for people like Prince and David <clears throat> Roth that they could do later without getting in trouble. It's like, yeah. like you, you you couldn't see somebody wearing assless chaps if Jim didn't do what he did on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fucking, he was a he was a builder, man. He built the art form right here with fucking his stage presence. And this yeah. song, one of the best songs ever, and I never get tired of it. It rules. Yeah, uh, Eric, what do you think of "Light My Fire"? Oh, fucking love "Light My Fire," and uh, it's funny because this is like their biggest song. Yet growing up, I would have thought it was "Break On Through Your Side" because I always heard "Break On Through Your Side." Uh, never heard "Light My Fire" as much as "Break On Through." But, I mean, this song's brilliant. I love the, like, real catchy little, like, keyboard. Like, da na 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 Which the Jackson 5 fucking ripped off. Because uh, they did a vocal melody in that same style for one of their real popular songs. Like, that's the way you name me be on. Like, uh, like, if you know the Jackson 5 song that I'm talking about, like, they totally, like, that melody line is a total rip off of that keyboard riff from Light My Fire. But I love this fucking song. Um... I will admit, this is one of the ones that aged kind of badly with me, and not the song, but just that jam session in the middle where it just goes on and on and on. Like, I, I prefer the single version. Um, that's one of the things that's changed about me since I've gotten older. Um, I just don't, I don't care for, like, the jam band kind of stuff, like the real long, strung-out instrumentals. I don't like that as much, unless it's, like, a certain band. Dream like Theater Rush. <laughs> if it's like Rush or like Deep Purple doing it, I like it. Um, but I don't know with the Doors, I don't care for it. And even though they're really great musicians, just I, I just don't like like that psychedelic jam band stuff. It just doesn't work for me. So this is definitely a song that aged with me, but I still fucking love it. And like I said, this is the song that got me full, like made me go balls deep into the fucking Doors catalog because I was just like. Morrison screaming his ass off on that final chorus and, you know, being all badass with the long hair, the leather pants. They're like, oh, he wasn't supposed to say higher, but he just fucking said it anyway, like a fucking badass, you know. And they got in big trouble with Ed Sullivan for that. And uh, props to Jim Morrison for not fucking uh, bowing down to Ed Sullivan and doing what he wanted to do. You know, and I love that, you know, there's that classic line that, you know, they're like, you guys are never going to play the Ed Sullivan show again. And Morrison was like, hey, man. We just played the Ed Sullivan show. Just that, I don't give a fuck <laughs> attitude. That's why I fucking love Jim. It's yeah. a great fucking song. Like I said, I just can do without the jam band stuff. 
Um, not my not my bag, you know, but still love it. Great song. Edwin, uh, did you already talk about it? or No, I did not talk about it yet. Yeah, uh, you're just talking about the commercial. That, that jam band <laughs> stuff is awesome, though, dude. I, I, love, love, yeah. I love it, too, man. Yeah, <laughs> and they fought this not to get cut, also. Well, you know, eventually the radios did start playing the longer one. because Yeah, they have the single version that uh, yeah. I'll usually listen to. Yeah, I, yeah, they started with that, but after the song went to number one, they were like, oh, shit, we could play a number one song for for uh, like eight minutes. So let's let's play the <laughs> seven, six minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, let, let's go with the longer one. Like when I was growing up, I usually heard the longer one. But uh, I mean, yeah, I love it. I like the. I no, I don't really think of it as jammy. That's the thing. I don't like a lot of jammy stuff. I just think it is jazzy. Yeah, that's the thing. I think yeah, because I I love maybe I think difference because I know Eric. I don't think you're a jazz guy. I love a lot of jazz. Yeah, I don't like jazz, man. It's like just what about fucking right what notes. about what about Sabbath Symptoms of the Universe? Then that's like a jazz fucking jam in the middle. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot though. of jazz. I don't know. It's yeah. different. There's a lot of jazz in Sabbath, I think. That's one, yeah, a lot of jazz in Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, it's, and this, there's a lot of jazz. I mean, like, it's not like jamming in the sense that they're just making noise. Like, the the, the, the lines that Krieger and Menzaic are playing are very melodic, and they're rich in the melodies and the way that... that oh, I mean, it got this Krieger's guitar playing here. I mean, there's just... He's singing with the guitar. He's just doing with the guitar what Jim Morrison's doing during the verses, in my opinion. And it just shows, like, yeah, Robbie Krieger wrote this song. Like, the basis of the song. And, you know, it was the first thing he ever wrote. Like, just think about that. The first song you write is fucking Light My Fire. Like, how impressive is that? But, to give credit, the thing is, a lot of people did bring up the fact that Robbie Krieger wrote this. And, obviously, he could write a catchy song. He always wrote their, like, most commercial songs. He wrote Touch Me and Love Me Two Times and Love Her Madly. So, he had a great year. In a lot of ways, he was like McCartney to Morrison's Lennon, you know? He could just... Yeah, and so he, he could do that side, the popular side. But... At the same time, and this is like a big debate with songwriting these days, like you brought up the mosaic, the, the Raymond Zayek, uh, you know, keyboard hook. Like, that, that's a pretty important part of the song. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, so I feel like you can't just call, I know, it's, yeah, they said Doris composed this. They didn't have separate writing credits until um, the soft break. They just said written by the Doors, and in a way that feels kind of fair, especially at the Doors, because they really are all bringing something to the song. Like, yeah, Krieger is writing the blueprint of the song, and it's an amazing blueprint. And it's great lyrics, but the drumming, the bossa nova, jazzy drum that you know John Densmore is playing, the great organ hook that uh, that Mosaic brings, and then uh, Jim Morrison, the way he sings it, you know, like all these things. Make like my fire what it is, you know. It's it's completely a door song, and I love it. Actually, this is a song that's it has no burnout factor for me, and th- it should because I've heard this song like I don't know like a billion fucking times in my life. Um, this is the first door song I ever heard as a kid, and yet I don't know. There's something about it. There's a vibe to it, especially and maybe me and Mark because we live in California, Eric. We, there's something about <laughs> this. And I think Mark will understand. This is a real California kind of vibe to it. I mean, this whole album, I think, is actually in a lot of ways the most California kind of... Even, in some ways, even more than L.A. Woman. I feel this is like the ultimate... Because there's kind of a surfy vibe in the undercurrent, too. Especially a little on the second side. But, all I can say, there was a time... Uh, Barney's Beanery is in West Hollywood. It's this bar in West Hollywood that Jim Morrison himself used to frequent. He used to go there a lot. And there's a little plaque 
in the bar that says James Douglas Morrison used to drink here. And I'm drinking at this bar quite a bit. And I literally, a few weeks ago, I was at this bar. I was having a drink. I was meeting some friends there for dinner. And I had a few drinks afterwards. And I'm hanging outside because I'm responsible. I'm waiting for my Uber to pick me up. And from inside, they play good music. They just play a lot of classic rock. So this song actually came on. So Light My Fire is playing. And across the street from Barnes Beanery is the Holloway Hotel. Because uh, it's on Santa Monica and Holloway. And that's a hotel that Jim Morrison used to go and fuck women at. <laughs> it's a divey, <laughs> shitty motel. Um, and, and next to it's an IHOP. So it's an IHOP, the shitty motel where Jim Morrison fucked women at. And right across the street is this bar where he used to get his drink on. And so I'm standing there. And there's palm trees, like, lying in the street. So it's nighttime, and I'm standing outside this bar that Jim Morrison used to drink at, across from the hotel where he got his end in. And, like, my fires echoing out into the night, the California night, you know? And it, all I can say is, like, it's just a magical moment. You're just there, and you get an essence of it, and you get a feel of it. And it's just like, that's what this song is. Like, that's what they're capturing on this album. It's sex, you know? And that's the thing. Doors are, like, and we keep going back to this, because Doors are a sexy band. They're it's so like, sexy. Yeah. It's sexy, and they're like, they're like a nighttime band, too, you know? Especially this album. I feel like it's a very nocturnal album. You know, and there's a song, which we'll get to, that's even more so. But it's just like standing out there, California night, LA night where Jim Morrison is and this song's coming through and it still resonates and this is the, this this is real stuff this is real stuff that people were doing Jim Morrison it's not a fucking fictional character this is a real person you know a real person lived that life he lived on the edge that's what culture and art and pop culture used to be you know it wasn't all these fucking apple fuckers with tattoos just you know same asshole things on Twitter. It used to be real people fucking changing the world. Fuck and they yeah. were having a fucking time while they were doing it. And they were making the myths. And let me tell you something. Just standing in the atmosphere where this man was making the myths and hearing Light My Fire come out of this fucking bar. It's, that was more rock and roll than half the shit I fucking listen to that new people put out there, you know? So, let me, yep. I fucking love this song. It's a, it's up there. To me, it's up there with Stairway to Heaven, Hey Jude, You Can't Always Get What You Want. You know, it's 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 one of the seminal rock and roll epics. It's as catchy as it is dangerous and subversive and sexy. It's a fucking masterpiece. I love Light My Fire. Let's by the go. way, The Love You Saved by Jackson 5, that's the song. <laughs> Yeah. So I gotta check that out. You say maybe your own, darling. Okay, take it slow. Like, listen to that song. Total rip off of the the of the light my fire. Lovely. That hook itself that he does on the organ. Yep. Genius. These are geniuses. These people are operating on a fucking different level. And if you don't like it, it's just because you're not fully developed as a creature <laughs> on this planet. Okay, let's flip this fucking record over and now. Yeah where Jimbo shifts up. Okay. <laughs> Backdoor man. Mark, go for it. <laughs> yeah, this is his whiskey drinking fucking blues Jimbo right here. You know, uh, show me all fucking pains. You know, he's like, Rawr. he's just like growling, drinking some whiskey while he's singing this on the mic. This is my hero right here, Mr. Jim fucking Morrison fucking show me how to fucking drink. 
and fucking get women to come through the back door. You fucking rule, and this song rules. Yeah, he <laughs> eats yeah. more chicken than any man has ever seen. seen. Yeah. So, Eric. Like Mr. You... Willie Dis- Dixon, man. Yeah, Willie Dixon, okay. Willie Dixon ha- cover. Willie Dixon cover, although they are doing a cover of a cover, because really, they're doing the Hal and Wolf version of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Willie Dixon wrote it, who's a great blues bassist, but they are doing, and I'm a huge Hal and Wolf fan. I love early 50s uh, blues, and I love Hal and Wolf. Actually, to me, it's a toss up. They're both great. I love the Hal and Wolf version, but this version, in its own way, is just as awesome. It's amazing. And that's why, you know, all this fucking bullshit, you know, they want to separate everyone and divide people and divide the white and black. You know, what I love about Doris. It's the opposite of that. It's like it's all coming together, you know? And let me tell but you yeah. something. Jim Morrison had just as And even though he was a fat fucking college kid that then dropped the weight <laughs> and what the ass... Even though he was some fucking fat nerd, he fucking turned it around and became a real legit fucking Mojo Rising blues man. Because we all have that. We all have that capability. It's all in yeah. us. It's all in us, you know? And that's the thing. Jim Morrison's like, hey, I can be fucking Howlin' Wolf. Why not? <laughs> you know? And... That's the thing, you know. Howlin' Wolf was awesome. Jim Morrison's awesome. Don't let people separate you and try to put you into two fucking teams. There's one fucking team. It's about being a fucking badass and being awesome. And that's why I love Backdoor Man. It's one of the great blues covers. And of course, it foreshadows kind of where the Doors will go in their later years. It foreshadows yeah. Road Blues and L.A. Woman, and it's kind of the the. the, the the heart of the Doors is kind of at the heart. They're kind of deep down. They they're kind of a blues band, you know. Yeah. Even though they jazz and stuff, but that's where Jim Morrison really could tell. You could tell when he sang it that he loved singing this music. He loved blues music, and he got it because you know he was a good old boy deep down inside that liked to get his drink on and be a hellraiser. And that's what those old blues guys were all like: Muddy Water, John Lee Hooker, Howlin' Wolf. They fucking yeah. they were they, they were fucking hellraisers, and you know they're just as important to rock and roll and heavy metal. As Jim Morrison too, but that's another episode. So, what do you think of Backdoor Man, Eric? Oh, fucking love this tune, man! It's sexy. Um, you know, I love the live versions because I feel the live versions, like you know, he's you know, he does like some more screams. Like I remember too, the trailer for the Doors movie. Like it starts with you know, like him saying like, "Is everybody in? Yeah. Is everybody in?" And all of a sudden, like he just. Like he does that scream for Backdoor Man with that riff going, dun, 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 dun. oh my god, I just love this tune. You know, just it's sexy, man. You know, the only complaint I have, and I may get a lot of shit for this, I Uh-oh. never, I never like that one part where he, you know, he's talking about like uh, pork and beans, like oh. or chicken. Oh, I don't like on. it. Makes me cringe. It's so annoying. Oh, like, I don't know why. It always made me cringe. I was like, oh, that's so like weird sounding. Like, don't say that. Your point. That's why I usually though, prefer man. the live versions <laughs> of this song. I never <laughs> like that one part. Oh, Everything I love else that. Song, it's great, I, I love the whole great. song. But that so one part good. made me cringe. But that, it was that, always that, so cringy. He is getting. It's Hal and Wolf says that he gets it from Hal and yeah. Wolf. But maybe I think yeah. he nails it. It's great. Jimbo love gets it. it. Jimbo yeah. gets it. I love it. I knew. I'm gonna take some shit, but I'm like, I can't hide the fact that, like, oh, that part makes me cringe. So uh, bad. I, let me tell you just something, because I, I don't know. Maybe you don't love fried chicken enough. You're a Chicago. I guy. love fried chicken. I just ate KFC. I ate some KFC uh, and, and it's not chicken diarrhea. Yeah, but also pork and beans. Oh, you know, I love all that shit. Pork and beans. I love oh, all that good shit. shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to hear yeah. about it in a song. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it. I like hearing about food in songs. <laughs> now, if he said Diddy Moore, per, uh, Diddy Moore Stew, then I would have went, ew. If we did, <laughs> like dog Eric, food. Eric, would you like it if he said, I want some deep dish Chicago pizza? <laughs> no, that would be different. Yeah, that would be different. This fucking deep dish Chicago pizza is amazing. Deep dish Chicago pizza. Chicago deep dish is a delicacy you can only get in Chicago. It's different. Whereas New York style pizza is just fucking regular pizza you can get oh, okay. fucking anywhere. There's nothing we're, special about it. We're, we're, we have to do some episode where it's just about the pizza. You gotta yeah, get, you gotta to. get Bushy to on there because I want to hear him and Bushy going off on each other. Oh, awesome. It's fucking insane. We're, we're gonna do well, we got Bushy product. coming on soon, I think, for a Motley Crew episode, so we'll have to yeah, bring that up. You need to talk about the pizza that, that because he's gonna go trick. He's gonna trigger on you, man. Oh, he yeah. get, like me and Bushy go back and forth on that shit. <laughs> but oh, that's you're gonna trigger him. Maybe uh, yeah, we'll make it a two-parter, and it'll be the 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 piece of wars slash girls go. Girls, girls episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Let me tell you that album sucks, sucks, sucks. Oh, I'd I rather eat. I rather eat deep dish pizza than listen to that album. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, yeah. I, leave you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love. I love. I love. I love Wild Side. That's great. I like That's the album. It's a good song. It's very misleading. <laughs> I don't like Nona, but the rest of the album's good. Yeah. Right, let's not talk about Motley Crue. We're talking right. about yeah, a, fuck Motley Crue, a, a band that has more than uh, two or three good albums. We're talking yeah. about Doors. <laughs> okay, so we all talked about Backdoor Man. We yep. all love it. Eric doesn't like when they talk about food, but besides <laughs> that, it's great. Okay, now we're uh, talking about Mark. What do you think of I Looked at You? This is a fucking trippy song, man. I remember going to uh, the Lazarium in uh, Griffith Park. And they played, like, the Doors music. I think they played this one. And the laser hit me in my fucking eye, and I saw God, man! No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was fucking <laughs> cool. I was fucking stoned. Well, you could also say that about Cheech and Chong, too. Because I mixed them both together. But, yeah. Uh, fucking the Stone Age rules. Uh, but this song rules. I miss the Laserium. I wish I'd bring that back in L.A. I used to see Pink Floyd, the Doors... Fucking Dark Side of the Moon was so amazing. Fucking <laughs> all we'd be smoking weed in the in the little forest area around there before we went in. Fucking look at our weight on Jupiter, and then go in and watch a fucking killer laser music show. That shit rules, man. I miss that shit. I dig it. Great song though. So what do you think of I Looked at You? Oh man, it's a great fucking song, man. It's a good album track. Uh, this is probably, you know, this and another song are the two songs that I would say are, like, not really, like, well-known from this album. But it's yeah. a catchy little song, man. It's a good album track. You know, it's not a standout, like, you know, song. I'm not going to tell someone, like, oh, you want to hear The Doors? Listen to I Looked At You. I'm not going to say that, but it's a solid song, man. It's not, you know, it ain't like Silent Lucidity or some shit like yeah. that. It's <laughs> a great fucking song. Uh, but it's, a, it's an album track. It's just meant to kind of, you know, it's a filler, but it's a killer filler. Fucking love I looked at you, Edwin. What do you think of it? I uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, I obviously it's it's an album track. It's I would say it's the weakest song on the album, but it's a weakest song on an awesome, great album where none of the songs are bad. So you know, um, it's it's yeah, it's killer filler. It's filler track. It's like one of the few songs that doesn't sound like it could be a single. But it's it's still I mean for the Doors for this album a lesser band would probably it would be a single probably for but it, it's a catchy song it has that kind of California garage rock sound you know they wouldn't I would say there's a couple songs on this album this one that might say 
I would say like 20th Century Fox, man, uh, 20th Century Fox, this song, and one other song coming up, uh, sound kind of like California garage rock, and not quite like what they would sound like even just in the, on the next album. Like, they, these sound like, like, I can picture them playing these songs, like at the Whiskey Go Go in the mid 60s. Like, these are club songs, you know, but they're catchy little hooky California rock and roll, kind of vaguely surfy even kind of songs. Um, but I like it. I dig it. I like that sound. You know, I like the Beach Boys, and I like that kind of early to mid 60s, like surf rock. California sound, but it's a it's a cool song. I like it, but it's my least favorite song on the album. But it's not bad as far as least songs, you know, least favorite songs on albums go. So, end of the night, Mark. What do you think? Of end of the uh, night. This is a fucking trip song again. This album, you just need to be inebriated and fucking have. You you don't need to, but it's highly suggested that you smoke a <laughs> joint during this album because then you hear everything. You melt into this album. You could hear it, and then when you're sober, you know what you heard when you were stoned. And it works! This fucking song is one of those. This song rules. <laughs> Maybe sober, not a little bit, but it just blends. This whole album just blends into something like, what did I just hear? Fucking, this album makes you think. It makes you wonder. It's not like Poison, where you hear nothing but a good time. I'm gonna put down Poison. This is an al- yeah, that album. That album is just like something I want to put on when I don't want to think about shit. This album I put on when I want to have deep thoughts with Jack Handy. This is a fucking great fucking song. I love it. Yeah. So what do you think, Eric? It's a great song because it's not a fucking poison song. <laughs> at, least they, at least they don't gotta shove Robbie Krieger down a flight of fucking stairs to get a solo out of him. But man, this song's <laughs> fucking beautiful, man. It's trippy. It's creepy. It's almost like a Blue Easter Cult sounding kind of song. Like I hear B.O.C. Yeah. doing... I can hear B.O.C. doing a song like this. It's trippy, it's cool, and this is like a song like, man, you're like really like high or stoned, you know, you're tripping on some exactly. acid, and it's at nighttime, man, you hear this, and you're walking with your friends, like, to your house, oh, man, I just, like, this song just sets an atmosphere of just like, man, it's like fall, like, it's, you know, you and your friends are in high school, it's the last, like, you know, it's the last month where it gets too cold, where you really can't go walking around too much, and like you're walking home on a fall day, maybe it's a little foggy, you know, you're drunk, you're stoned, you're kind of scared, because, oh man, is this car following us, is there someone watching us, and you're just trying to make it home, and you're tripping out, you know, so, oh, this song, man, just sets that mood, fucking love it, love how creepy it sounds, you know, phenomenal song, what do you think, Edwin? Uh, you know everything you guys said it's an amazing song um it's it has this darkness to it it's not it comes at a perfect point of the album too it's very yeah. well well sequenced album and it's like um in the movie capture this too i loved when they used it because it was during like the sex scene with kathleen uh, quinlan who, who yep. i find very attractive and <laughs> it, it's played sexy witch woman in the movie anyway and a great actress but they um it's like it's that vibe like in that scene even and i i thought this about the song even before i, I saw the movie so, so it's great soundtrack cues you know obviously you know oliver stone's a real doors fan you know and just the way he he interlaced the deep tracks into the movie you know the the certain songs like when you first hear love street and stuff like that and this song like he did a masterful job like only a hardcore fan would sequence the soundtrack the way he did but that that aside as i was saying like um the song it's like it has that vibe where you've been out you've been partying you know you, you know, party time's over and now you're like 
maybe you got lucky enough to bring a woman back to your place, you know? And yeah, yeah. this song has that vibe. It's like after hours and you're getting up to like a different stage of the night, you know? It's like we did the rock and roll, we did the fun, we did the foreplay, and now we're back, and we're back at the place, and that's where it's going, and that's like why it was perfectly used in the movie, you know, and the song just has that vibe, it's just the sexy, like, after hours, it looks like, get it on, you know, but dark and mystical and kind of trippy, and it getting like, just like, look at like, just how short the song is, like, and it does all that, you know, and it's like only uh, two minutes in 49 seconds and yeah I mean, obviously from Pink Floyd to uh, to Blue Oyster Cult Blue Oyster Cult you could hear a huge Doors influence in, in them and yeah it's, a, it's an amazing song it's not even one of my favorite songs on the album but it's an amazing goddamn song because that's how good this fucking album is okay and we're getting it now, then after this song it's like perfectly sequenced like you get all chilled and then like let's give them one more upbeat rocker before we we go out to the the big epic and that song is take it as it comes what do you think of that song mark i like this song man it's like it's building you up for a big fucking what the fuck it's like this song is kind of like happy-ish and going and going then the next song it's like a fucking 10 ton weight fucking dropped on your head uh, this song is fucking great, and it works for the album ender. I love it. Yeah, so what do you think, Eric? Oh, man, this song fucking rules. Real catchy. This is another one that's like, you know, this is a song that's not, you know, a hit. But it's a perfect album track. It's killer filler, man. Uh, you know, time to live, time. Like, it's so catchy, dude. You just made me want to take my panties down right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you've, been doing, you've been doing some pretty good Morrison, Eric. I know, yeah, dude. What the man. fuck? I've been yeah, drinking, dude. I might have to. karaoke, man, but oh, man, I fucking love this song. You know, great little. You know, it's a great transition to the next song. You know, it's a short little two minute, kind of catchy little ditty. Um, I love Take It As It Comes, you know. Uh, phenomenal song. It's killer filler. I love it. And uh, Edwin, what do you think of it? Uh, I think, I mean, I can kind of see how it's killer filler in the album track, but I also think it's one of those songs that's so catchy, it could have been a single. I, this oh, I think oh, it's really catchy. Yeah, they could have released yeah. it as a single. I, Back so, then, it, this would have been yeah, catchy. Yeah. In 67, I think this could have been a hit. I mean, there's a lot of songs on this album that could have been hits in 67. And this is one of them. It's just really catchy. It is uh, like 20th Century Fox. It's it's a song that doesn't sound like a song they would do on later albums. But, man, this I think this is maybe even a little catchier than 20th Century Fox. It's really catchy. and it, But it has a surfy vibe. You know what I mean? It has a little bit of a surfy kind of... California garage rock thing again that they would totally shake off by the second album but it's still here and it's cool and you could hear like the Ramones did a cover of this they did a pretty good cover and you could totally hear why the Ramones would cover it because it's like a Ramones song like you know it's just two minutes and 13 seconds and it's just so catchy and I uh, love the vocals I love in the message too you know just take it as it come you know take it easy baby take it as it come you know Take take it as it comes, you know. Just <laughs> you know, man. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just saying. People nowadays, you know, everyone get upset over everything. Everyone For real. Just fucking chill. Listen to this fucking song. Chill out. 
you're all going to be dead anyway. That's the thing. Jim Morrison had a heightened sense of mortality, even in his 20s, because he took a lot of fucking acid and he was smart. When a smart guy takes a lot of acid, you know what happens? He goes, oh shit, we're all going to die and we mean nothing in this universe. <laughs> and then, you know what he does? He goes, let's enjoy ourselves. You know, let's, let's live life. Let's enjoy it. You know, we don't, and I'm not saying, hey, I'm not even saying, I'm not going to get too metaphysical. I'm agnostic. I'm not an atheist. You know, I'm not a Christian like Mark. All I'm just saying, I'm straight down the middle. You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen after we're dead. All I can tell you is, it ain't sitting around listening to the doors and drinking whiskey. And I'm not crazy about that prospect that that's going to stop. So all I can say is, enjoy it while you got it. Take it easy, baby. Take it as it comes. It's Fuck a, yeah. It's a fucking mantra. I yeah. fucking love it. It's it's one of my favorite. You want to hear a shocker? It's my second favorite song on the album after nice. Crystal Shit. I fucking Hell love yeah. this song. I love this song. It's fucking great. It's rock and roll. And somehow it's even greater because of what it leads into. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I was saying. This, it, this. It, like you said, Mark, it totally sets it up. You know, you give <clears> them <throat> this is really catchy, fun, optimistic song. And then you go into literally the opposite. A long, sprawling, dark, dark fucking epic song. And that is the end. <laughs> so, Mark, what do you got to say about the fucking the end? <laughs> what can she say about this? <laughs> oh, my God. This is like... Put your 67 here in this song for the first I time. Know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I love long songs. I was in a rush at this time when I got into them, and I was like... Oh my god, and then I'm, I'm like, say, what the fuck is he saying in the middle of the song? And then I fucking hear he's talk, telling his mother to fuck him. I go, what the fuck is going on? I fucking had to get stoned and listen to the song a few more times, and I go, oh my god, he is fucking, he's like being real with his feelings and with his, his life. He's like telling us what's going on with him. This is like, this ain't grunge. This is fucking work. This is like more depressing than grunge. For real. And, but it fucking works. Because it's like, this is stuff that we would think of at our ages or whatever. This is stuff that we think about, but we're not going to do. But Just for the record, is, I don't want to have sex with my mother. No, I don't <laughs> either. It out there, I don't either, but I've seen other people's mothers, right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I've hit on a lot of my friends' mothers when I was a little kid. Holy shit. Oh, God. You would just say, I love you, Steve's mom. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but this song is just like a fucking drop. It's like, you're like rocking to this album, and all of a sudden, this is the end. My only friend. There's a reason why they play this in Vietnam movies. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it's God. Vietnam movies. This song is in every fucking Vietnam movie. <laughs> it's like, my God, this song is just the fucking epic of all epics by any band. And it's like, this towers over any fucking band's epics. Maybe besides Rush on 2112, but this song just rules. I love it. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Because I'm going to probably, you know, talk for at least 10 minutes about it. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so you, know, you go first, Eric. You know, it's funny. I was... Uh, I think it was like a you know a while back, like you know maybe a year ago or something. I think I like listened to this album again, and I heard this song, and I I, I mean I used to love it in middle school, but when I listened to it a year ago, I was kind of like, eh, it's a little pretentious, you know, or it's boring, you know, it doesn't hit me the same way. 
But then when I was listening to it today, I tried putting myself in that same mindset um, that I was in middle school. I'm just this angsty, you know, young kid, you know, like kind of figuring out about stuff in the world, figuring out about corruption and all this horrible shit that goes on in the world. And I'm at that stage in life where, like, I'm, you know, transitioning to being a teenager, you know, and, uh, you know, you're angsty. And this is the kind of song that maybe speaks to you, you know, because you start experiencing darker shit. You start realizing life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, it's, you know, there's some dark shit that happens in life and some hard shit that happens. And I put myself in that perspective. And, you know, this song is phenomenal. It's just, it's really good. It's really dark. And, you know, at this time, you know, the flower power era, it was weird to hear stuff like this, real dark shit and, like, real you know, kind of really fucked up lyrics, you know, I love, you know, in the movie, when Jim Morrison's singing this, and he says that line about, like, mother, I want to fuck you, and, like, everyone in the crowd is just like, oh my, like, everyone in the crowd freaks out, because, he, you know, you can't say that shit back then, you can't say, like, some of the shit he was saying, and he does that freaking, you know, dance, you know, as the music builds up. Yeah, that's and, that, and, that, and that's all real. That's actually what that we're is like, real. Yeah, yeah. That's what and, happened uh, with Steve Gogo. Yeah. Oh man, and I loved that part uh, in middle school. I, I remember like you know listening to this song, man, and like you know especially if I was you know smoking some weed or something. Like if I listen to this song, man, like when that part would kick on, I do like that Indian like tribalish dance, you know, and like just so, get so into it, you know. I love that, and that's just so badass when he's doing that crazy like you know indian dance it's just badass you know this is a cool song i I even remember a video on youtube back in the day where they play this song and they're showing all this stuff like you know vietnam footage 9-11 footage wacko all this just real you know depressing shit but it was just like man it just hits you because it's like oh shit you know it's like yeah there's there's fucked up shit this is a song that made me realize as a kid like you know there's bad shit in the world, you know. Not everything's perfect. There's some really fucked up shit going on in our world, you know. So it's a, you know. So I finally, you know, listened to the song again, and it just, you know, I realized how genius it is. It's amazing and it's dark, but you gotta kind of be in the right mindset to listen to it because it's so dark and it's so long and epic and takes all these twists and turns. But I love this song. It's a great way to end the album. But he wasn't whining, was he? He didn't whine about his problems. Exactly. This isn't, you know, this is like, this is like, you know, this isn't like the grunge shit or like that new metal shit where it's like, wah, daddy didn't play catch with me when I was a kid. Oh, my parents got divorced and, uh, you know, but, you know, and they try like, you know, buying me stuff to, you know, you know, make me choose sides. Wah, you know, this is like dark shit. This is like, the world is like a bad place. There's bad shit that happens. We're all gonna die, you know, the government's, you know, the government does shady crap, you know, it's, there's darkness in the world, you know, I mean, life, life is fun, man, don't get me wrong, life is fun, have fun, don't dwell and be depressed all the time, uh, cause life can be fun and there's a lot of good people in the world and there's, you know, you're gonna have good times, but, you know, be aware, you know, life isn't perfect, life is dark, there's dark shit that happens in our world. Um, you just gotta learn to accept the fact that bad shit happens in the world, and so I, I kind of like that. You know, it's you know, this is Jim Morrison isn't like you know these bitch ass grunge artists 
or new metal artists that were just whining about dumb shit. He's talking about some serious shit in this song. So yeah, that's a good point too, Mark. You know, he's he's real. You know, he's like he's like in de- NWA in the eighties telling you what the fuck is going on. You know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah like man. like, like yeah. Metall- Metallica, like Fade to Black, Disposable yeah. Heroes, like stuff like that. It, it, like the essence of songs like that start really begin here. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, this isn't some wham wham shit. Edwin, why don't you go ahead and gush about this song because I feel like you're gonna love this one. I, I do love it. It's actually not one of my favorite songs on the album. It was, yeah. when, I was, it was when I was younger. Uh, it, it blew me away. Melted my mind. You know? <laughs> what was it? But I, I do think to a degree it hurt a little bit that I heard it first on that Best Of and not the album because the album, to me, the best way to hear this song is at the end of this album. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably especially in 1967. Um, I got a lot to say about the song. I will just say first thing, because uh, it's something you guys brought up, and this doesn't really get talked about a lot, and even sometimes I kind of forget this. This, this, you know, we talk about Sgt. Pepper a lot, you know, as like the innovative breakthrough album that changed yeah. rock. You know, that Sgt. Pepper came out in May. May in 67. This album, came out in January of 67. Okay? Like, like you said, the, the Beatles were in the studio still. They were halfway through Sgt. Pepper when this album dropped. Now, when they went in, they were thinking Pet Sounds and Beach Boys, you know, and which was an amazing album too. But they were thinking that. But I feel like when they were... That was the first half. But halfway through the making of the album this album dropped and suddenly they were like oh shit we gotta compete with this stuff now there's a new you know there's a new sheriff in town and you know this i i will say even though i prefer this album i will say i prefer day in the life in terms of i think day in the life is the greatest epic ending song of an album i I agree with you this song is right up there with it but 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 i think this song's more important I think this is more important because this is the first one. This is the first epic. It's the first rock epic. It's the, you can't tell me another rock epic. Tell me another rock song that's more than five minutes long, that's dark and existential, that blows your fucking mind. The way in the God the Vita come out. Oh, that's like a year. That's a year later. That's like '68. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No. This. This is the first. This is the first. There's not because you know, like tomorrow never knows. It's a cool song. It's trippy, but sure, it's not an epic. You know? Yeah. No. It, it, yeah. This same with Stand Life. It's yeah. it's epic, but it's still like it's pretty short. It's not uh, like eleven minutes long. No, and, but I, I would still count that as an epic song. But it's after, epic. But it's afterwards. That's my point. My point is this song was first by several months. This song is the first bona fide rock epic at the end of an album and i don't hear people say that enough you know it's it's very important this whole album's important but the end is probably the most important track of all the tracks on this album it's the track you know because people say oh sergeant pepper you know we said this it, it, it taught, showed people that albums could be art you know just in themselves not just singles yep. but this album did that because even though it didn't have a connecting theme like sergeant pepper and didn't lean into it quite like sergeant pepper it still ends that way. It still ends like the end is the ultimate album track. You know, it's a long song that's not a single. It's subversive. It's dark. 
it creates a mood. It's it, it's you know everything. Like I said, even like the way thrash albums end with this like you know epic song or something. You know, like it all begins here. It all begins with the end. The end is actually a beginning. That's the thing. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's something new and revolutionary. And this is early. 67 doesn't get earlier than fucking January 67. It's like they were in the studio in the 66 when yeah. they recorded this. He was in the clubs in 66 in Whiskey A Go Go where he blew everyone's mind when he said he was gonna fuck you know his mother. <laughs> like that <laughs> was in 1966. Man, the Doors are the most revolutionary band ever. Fucking period. Mic drop. No one comes yeah. close in terms of fucking changing the whole fucking game. And this song is a fucking game changer. And it's amazing. And it still sounds just as dark and rich and powerful, you know, as I'm sure it did for people in 67. But now we, if anything, we're a little used to dark, rich, powerful songs. So it doesn't surprise you as much. But if you think about it in terms of when this album dropped, the fucking beginning of 67, Man, there was nothing even remotely close to this. Not even from the Beatles, not the Stones, no one. This is fucking game-changing shit. It's one of the most important songs ever. It's probably, I don't know, like maybe my mid... It's like a mid-favorite song on this album. Like, there's about four or five songs I like better than the end. But that's almost because the end's almost too epic. It's like a little, like I said about Sgt. Pepper, I have to be in a certain mood. I have to be, I have to be in a certain mood to listen to the, you know... um the end it's like you know i don't like every day i don't want to watch like the godfather part two you know it's yeah. like you know you got to be in a certain mood you know for an for a dark sprawling epic but when you're in the mood for a dark sprawling epic this is the fucking og this is the one that started them all it's amazing it's just the lyrics fucking morrison one of my when i was re-listening uh to this album today the line that really hit me was um you know the the line about um the Roman wilderness of pain. <laughs> and, and it's just like, who comes up with a line talking about Roman wildernesses of pain? You know? <laughs> you know? Lost Romans did invent a lot of torture. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just, just like I feel because it's, and maybe this song resonates more now, and I don't want to get too off on this, but it's like about empires ending. You know, I kind of see yeah. like things coming to an end, you know, and I feel like the America <laughs> empire is kind of coming doing that but you know and he felt that and we're kind of in similar times we're in very similar times to the late 60s early 70s where everything's very divisive and you know and that's that's what the song's about and he's making that connection he's going back to the ancient times to ancient rome and because he has that intellect and mind that he can do that and it's all about like even the oedipus stuff like people could think oh it's a shock value and stuff but it's kind of about like uh like an empire falling apart and it's funny because the initial inspiration of the song started off as kind of an emo, just sad little song that he started writing because it was about his uh, girlfriend in high school that they broke up with, and he was kind of sad about it. But then he took some fucking acid in 1966 and went to the desert, and when he fucking came back, he made it this fucking sprawling epic about that it could be anything from a relationship breaking up to a fucking empire fall. And that's the thing. Everything falls. Everything comes to the end. And it's it's one of the most significant, powerful, important rock songs ever fucking written. And 
it depresses me, but it exhilarates me at the same time. I fucking love it. It's fucking epic. It's great. The doors are great. And you need to fucking recognize. <laughs> recognize. Yeah, fuck fuck yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's this fucking album. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Great album. I feel yeah. like... like well, you say say what you gotta say, Mark. We're all sloppy. I said yeah. we, we went through fucking stuff. barf and fucking drugged out fucking visions to this. <laughs> yeah, so that was the thing. It's and it's real, man. Like you listen to the end, and it's like this is a guy that really did fucking drugs and learned some shit from it too. He wasn't just doing it just to fucking party. He partied. For don't real. get me wrong. He had some yeah. fun, but he also yeah, he wasn't some fake fucking hippie like John Lennon I love John Lennon but goddamn, that guy was fake as shit like oh, imagine yeah, no possessions while this guy oh, yeah. while this guy wrote that in one of his fucking three mansions yeah no yeah, yeah. Jim was very real Jim was ahead of the game you know he was real. He, he was post hippie before there was before while the hippies were just starting you know and you know like to me if anything i i feel like the doors are more relevant now people need to be listening to them and their music times like this this we need jim morrison we need a yeah, jim we need morrison. a jim morrison but i'm man. saying it's about time for another doors revival coming <laughs> exactly that time. exactly yeah, yeah like yeah. Yeah. every doors. decade every decade somehow the Doors get back into the news. The Doors yes. get back into our life. Everybody's buying Doors music again. There's Jim Morrison fucking uh, people looking like Jim out there. People wearing their flowers in their hair. You know, that's fucking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 we're in a Roman wilderness of pain right yeah. now. Let's like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. and, we, and, we need to light our, and we need to light our fire and have some yeah. fire. Yeah. While, while, as Jim Morrison said, as the whole shit house goes down in flames. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Mark, you're our special esteemed guest. What's something you want to recommend to everyone out there? Whether it be an album, a movie, or a porno. Like, what do you want to recommend? Oh, well, <laughs> fuck. I just bought the fucking Rush Movie Pictures box set. But you can Ooh, buy this. Nice. You can buy these separate. And it came with the CDs and vinyl of it. Live uh, YYZ in 1981, man. I hear that live disc is like the the item to get for the box set. It's like the thing to buy the box set for it. I hear that live album's really freaking good. This is fucking cool, man. <laughs> it's like one of the best. <laughs> I, live in Rio was my favorite, but fuck, this is like awesome. I fucking just love it because you get the camera eye, you get beneath, between, behind, oh. Sickness X1, him, book two, him, Hemispheres, the whole overture and tipples of series, free wheel, limelight, Spear of the Radio, Xanadu, the trees, Moon's Bane, Red Barchetta, Close to the Heart, Vital Science, Natural Science, Working Man, and they have uh, Working Man, they kind of reggae in the beginning, and it just goes, yeah. and, and then the uh, thing is, like, doing it. Yeah, and then Armageddon, Battle of the Heart, By Tour and the Snow Dog in the end, the finale, and then the last uh, side on the vinyl is La Villa Strange Auto. Ooh, damn, what a set list. Oh, great set. Plus, it came with a little Red Barchetta in it. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> wait, no way, nice. Yeah. But they didn't unboxing. You guys should check it out. Yeah, I checked oh, yeah. it. Out. I, wa I watched it. I liked it. I even left a comment, Mark. Didn't yeah, you, you did. Yeah. I'll have to yeah, check it out, man. I got a lot of YouTube to catch up on. <laughs> uh, Ralph, man, he keeps putting shit up. I can't ke keep up. I can't. I can't keep up with Ralph either, man. <laughs> I thought I was bad. My yeah. God. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I want to recommend the Freeform Rock Podcast. 
Yeah, right, podcast. yeah. They're Except America's the- podcast. Every, every Friday, Check right? Out We're Bushy. Canada's podcast. <laughs> every, Drink every, beer. Every Friday with Lee. It's great stuff. Uh, yeah, they get drunk. And what I love about your podcast, not only is it very loose and free and rock and roll, and you and Lee are really funny, but you know, I like you know, you guys will do you will do the most obscure albums, or you will do very mainstream albums. You'll do rock, you'll do pop, you'll do new wave. You know, you just you do a lot of shit. Yeah. And, and I dig that. I dig that you guys aren't like just locked in into a box, you know. And it's really cool. That's why I wanted to call it Freeform so we could like not have a name that traps us. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And and you also do the the BS sessions with Jerry. Uh, you want to talk yeah. about that? Oh yeah, we just sit there every Thursday night and talk about sports, music, uh, movies. Like and he was on there with our top ten fucking movie episode. Yeah, where I've been on a couple yeah, episodes. I'm also like your, I'm like your guys' Bill Wang. I'm like the unofficial <laughs> third member. I know we need to get you back on, man. But yeah, I, I, I know you need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you need to sleep at that time sometimes. <laughs> I don't bug you. If you do an earlier episode, I, I'm down. Or like a weekend episode, I'm down. Yeah, maybe we could record one on the weekend. We did one for uh, for uh, Eddie right there, <laughs> so yeah. we could yeah. do one on the weekend, man. Yeah, I, I, I also like uh, when you and, as you know, the one, the things I like most in terms of all the content, and like you're like Ralph, I can't, I mean, a lot of, um, I, most of Ralph's stuff I do watch, I don't like uh, watch track to track versus, tra- uh, the album versus album track. Oh, I love the track by track. Oh, so I, I love to play along. I to watch all I, of There's too, too many, too many, I can't do them. I like but to I, play along with it, unless it's like uh, an album I don't really know that well, where I can't really do a true, like, track by track. I watch all his like individual album reviews, and I love when he does like cheap trick album reviews. And I, I like his uh, videos where he goes off and does like funnier offbeat stuff. I like that. <laughs> I love the news. I hope he does the news again. I know he's taking yeah. a break from it, but hopefully he starts doing it again because I'm a big fan of the news. And I love his documentaries he's made too. He's made some really great uh, documentaries. Ian Ralph is phenomenal. I oh, love his work. He's the fuck. He's the king. He's the podcast he king. It's like and Jim Morrison without drugs. He burns we all, the candle <laughs> both ends, but doesn't burn that other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we all do what we do because of Ralph Vieira. But you know, Mark, you know, you're keeping up there. But like Ralph, I can't watch all your stuff. It's too much stuff. It's like, you got it's too much. But I do watch a lot of it, and I do. Uh, and obviously, I always like to take part. My favorite thing you do, though, as you know, is I like when you not just the snorting whiskey shit, but and I look forward to the fireball. Uh, one, um, but, <laughs> but but I like when you and uh, Lee do this the the drunken like afternoon Saturday things. We just do, <laughs> it's like it's just the YouTube con- and you guys always get more drunk on those than because we recorded the, guys- the podcast before that, so yeah. we're already sloshed doing going into the video. <laughs> just so funny. I mean Lee. Okay, like Lee's always Lee, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's great. I love Lee. He's going to be on our show next episode. But yep. Lee's great. but Lee's always Lee. The thing is, there's kind of two sides to you, Mark. Like, you're kind of, like, you're always a rockin' fun guy. But then, in this video, you see this other side of you where you just get fucked up and you're funny as hell. (laughs) 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 You you have some great one-liners, and I love it. I love just watching you. I just, you know, I hope you don't die one day, but you're great. You're fun. I control my drinking just for the podcast. That's good. That's good. All right. So, yeah, definitely. So, I recommend... What? Go and check out all Mark's stuff. It's all great. It's very entertaining. Even the stuff I don't watch, go and watch that. That doesn't mean you probably have more time than me out there. So go, go watch all of it. <laughs> anyway, so it's all good. Uh, 
Uh, I also am going to recommend the, I mentioned this in passing, but the Doors documentary. It's, uh, it came out actually back in 2009, but I only actually watched it for the first time last night. Uh, when You're Strange, When You're Strange, Johnny Depp does a narration, and it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good, doc- I've seen a couple Doors documentaries. Uh, this is probably my favorite one I've seen. It was really well done. It was kind of almost done like the movie, but using real clips, which was cool. Like, they followed kind of a story like the movie does, but with a little more focus on the band doors and a little less on Pam. About the same, yeah. fo- about the same focus on Jim. Obviously, you got to give Jim the most focus. It makes sense. But I did like that they brought the band into it a little bit more than the movie did. But, it, but it's a great documentary. Some amazing footage. There's this one clip of them doing the end, like... In 1969 or 70, like a little bit later when Morrison had the beard. And it was like the best version I heard of the end. I hadn't heard this version before. Yeah, and they go into, it transitions into like a blues jam in the middle. Like they go bluesy from the song. And it's just, it's really cool. It's really amazing. It's almost like the end smashed smashed into Midnight Rambler. You know, it was really cool. And I really dug it. And there's a lot of cool clips from it. And... Right now, it's on Amazon Prime for free. So if you got Amazon Prime, definitely watch When You're Strange. That's my recommendation for the week, along with all of Mark's content that he creates. Right. And what do you recommend, uh, Eric? Oh, man. So um, I'm going to try and make this quick because me and my wife both guys start getting ready to go to bed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend, uh, right before this episode, I was watching some YouTube videos, and I was watching the amazing uh, Rageaholic, or Razor Fist, as he's known. He does these great videos called uh, the Metal Mythos series where he talks about a band and he break, goes down their whole career uh, through their whole discography. And I was watching this one on this Japanese band I wasn't familiar with called Anthem. And uh, they're this amazing Japanese heavy metal band. And after watching the episode, I had to go listen to some of their albums. So I'm going to recommend one of their albums. And it's uh, Gypsy Ways by Anthem phenomenal album if you like good hooky like you know if you like like juice priest painkiller era but like with a little bit of docking you know some melodic hooks in your metal definitely check out anthem um the only thing that may turn off some people is me like you know a lot of their lyrics are in japanese like they kind of do like a weird thing where they'll the verses will be japanese like the chorus will be in like english but if you can get past that, I mean, these are some great songs. They're catchy. They're fun. Um, really great band, dude. Like, they got a good combination of, like, that speed metal, traditional metal, but also, like, the hooks and melodies of, like, let's say, like, a rat or Dokken. So mm-hmm. I recommend the album Gypsy Ways by Anthem. And, I mean, just check out that video, too, as well, uh, the Metal Mythos Anthem by The Rageaholic. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I like his stuff. I saw he did a great uh, video about Dawkins, which I liked a lot. Oh, yeah. A great yeah. one about Accept, too. I love his yeah. Accept video. Yeah, so I'll go check that out. And I like, you know, I love Thrash. I love hooky, melodic metal. And yeah. I like, I love a lot of Japanese culture. I love a lot of Japanese Same films here. and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so that sounds right up my alley. So I'm going to check that out. Both his video and the band. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, Mark, yeah, I want to thank you for cool. joining us. I want to thank you for joining us. It's becoming a train wreck. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up, Mark. Say we'll something. No, I, I, no, I just said uh, that, sound, that album he's talking about sounds cool. That's all I said. Hell yeah, man. Check it out. You'll like it. 
Come on, Mark. I want to thank you, man, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, definitely check out our brother Mark Allen Taylor on both the Freeform Rock podcast and the Mark and Jerry BS sessions. I'll try and – I'm going to – got to guest on episode again soon because it's long overdue. Yeah, same here. And oh, Mark, yeah. Mark, snort the fucking fireball. <laughs> yeah. You snort more fireball than any man's ever seen. Hell yeah. Well, after my radio show on Tuesday, it'll probably be after Tuesday. Make the myths. Do it. Do it. I'm drunk. Break on through to the other side. Oh, my God. I, I don't know if it's going to be painful because there's cinnamon in it. Oh, it's gonna be real painful, but oh man, it will it will feel like the worst thing to ever happen to you. But but three hours later, it will be the greatest thing you ever did. <laughs> You're gonna have to have an ambulance behind me. No, it's like hey fuck hey fucking women, they have fucking babies come out of their thing, and and you know it, it's really painful. Put cinnamon whisk cinnamon alcohol yeah. up your nose. But, <laughs> women have have this baby that comes out of the the spot where they piss. It comes from. out of their coochie. It, it comes. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but he said it. <laughs> but it comes out of there. And There's a Molly Ringwald movie where she gives birth and they show that full thing coming out of there. Oh, it's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, what but the fuck? That, not as gross and horrible as it is. Let me tell you something. They they, they learn to love the, the the thing that comes out of them and it becomes their child and they raise it and they love it and they, <laughs> and they think, hey that's unless your unless your child grows up to be Sammy Hagar then fuck oh that God. shit unless your kid becomes a dickhead but if your kid you becomes know? even just moderately all right they think it's the most beautiful awesome thing they ever did and that's like the fireball mark in you. Uh, <laughs> just, brought up Molly fireball Ringwald. is like giving birth to a child. You brought it that way. You brought it um, awesome. Molly Ringwald, I think Ali Sheedy was hotter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other debate. Uh, that's another episode right there. Uh, I just what is it? Well, uh, she has fireball red hair, right? Uh, yeah. Kelly, Kelly Preston made them both look like dogs. Oh, uh, I agree with you on that. I'm still Phoebe Cates, man, myself. The, the movie Mischief? Oh my god. Oh shit. I love Mischief. I have Mischief. it on DVD. Oh, I'm, so a, I'm a spellbinder guy. I like the witches. But I, but I like it when I get to see her boobs in that movie. It's like, oh, yeah. Get, get yeah. that a little. Get that on Spellbinder, too. Check it out. Uh, I also nice. recommend Spellbinder. There you go. See yeah, that. I get to see some tits. Yeah, alright. <laughs> before we get canceled. Alright. <laughs> we just nice. lost all our feminist viewers. Hey, if I die from the if I die from the freaking uh fucking uh what is it called? What am I doing? Fireball. Fireball then uh, I'll raise this episode because they're gonna think you uh coaxed me into doing it. So just yes, edit out Edwin well, Edwin on Mark. Yeah, it's perfect timing because by the time that uh you know um <laughs> By the time Eric edits this, we'll know if you died or not. If you died, he'll be a bro and he'll just edit that out. <laughs> Good, because I, 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 I did it myself. Yeah, so if you heard this, that meant Mark lived. <laughs> yeah, I, he signed a waiver. <laughs> All right, later, guys. Later, brothers. I love both of you guys. Later. Love you, too. Love right, you guys. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night.